Jeff, here we are at the end of the road with the Emma Woods, David Jacobs affair. As far as this show is concerned, that fair to say? That's a good, that's a good thing. Yes. Case closed yeah. after this, unless David Jacobs or the mysterious Elizabeth would like to step forward and come on the show. Pretty much, case closed for us on this. Yeah, I would. I would say unless unless Doctor Jacobs wants to come on the show, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think that's the only puzzle piece to me that. That hasn't been filled in, and and I say this knowing what's coming up on the show and having lived that already, so that pretty much filled in the blanks for me. I guess let's not draw out this intro too much. I I mean, essentially, um, Brian Reed, which is another pseudonym, but once again, we know who he is. We know his real name. We know his background, Um, so we're not just accepting testimony blindly from an anonymous source. He is not anonymous to us. Right. Friend of the family of Jacobs, or the reverse is true. Jacobs is a friend of his family. His mom figured in heavily into Jacobs' work. Uh, I believe the secret life, not so much the threat. And was friends with Elizabeth. I don't know. We, we pretty much cover the background, so we don't need to cover all this. It's just interesting because, you know, he's not uh, a distant voice from a foreign land. He's a friend of the right. family who has known David Jacobs for most of his life. So interesting. We'll have a lot to say. We'll, I think Jeff and I probably have a disagreement as to um, the importance of this new information. I, I think it's fair to say you don't think it's as important as I do. Um, but maybe that's because I'm still gobsmacked by how clear it is after this. <laughs> Not just the Jacobs thing, yeah. but the fact that hypnosis is being abused in so many ways in the field. I mean, by Brian Reed. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, and, and he right. admits to this. I mean, I'm not speaking out of school here. Anyway, is, is there more to say or should we – we'll just save that for the after chat. Well, I, I think we can – I mean, I, I don't want to give the impression I don't feel that what Brian has to say is unimportant. It's um, – I, I think it's more along the lines of this is – kind of confirming what I more or less thought or suspected was going on at the time. And I think what's valuable here is that this kind of, for me at least, in my opinion, fills in the gaps of uh, what we didn't get so much from Emma, because I think there are certain aspects that seemed a little bit hazy to me as far as connecting the dots here. And I think Brian very well connects those dots now, uh, at least in my mind, for uh, the 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 bigger picture of what actually happened, and I think that listeners will get a better sense of of what went down if you can if you can kind of uh, listen to these shows uh, next to each other. Uh, pretty much the Emma interview and this one, uh, I think you'll get a better sense of actually how what the dynamic was that was going on here, and it's pretty much what I had suspected. So that that was the part I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't surprised that I'll put it to you that way. As far as value goes, well, I think 
I think we'll get to that afterwards uh, as far as uh, the, the pinnacle point that you're referring to. All right. Without further ado, here is our interview with Brian Reed. Paratopia, without further ado, please welcome uh, our very special anonymous guest, uh, Brian Reed. Brian, thank you very much for, well, for sort of coming out with this and uh, validating some of the things that Emma's saying and being another brave voice in this battle against hypnosis, really, as far as Jeff and I are concerned, I think. Yeah, right on, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, just looking forward to talking about it. And it's not something that people really have been talking a lot about, especially in, in public eyes, so I think it'd be pretty interesting. Well, why don't you uh, let us know who you are, just sort of start at the beginning, um, well, with your, your mother, I guess. What was her relationship to this phenomenon, and then and then how did she get involved with Jacobs, and we'll just sort of take it from there. Um, as, see, as far as I know, I, I haven't really... I knew Dr. Jacobs was, was around since I was a kid, so I, I'm not quite sure how they met. Um, but I, um, I know that my mom and, and Dr. Jacobs had been very, very close uh, most of my life. And, and so I, I've, I've known him. I've seen him here and there um, as a child. That um, I didn't really get involved with him until I was a little bit older. Um, but, yeah, I mean, him and my mom had a good relationship. It wasn't, it wasn't just... A subject and researcher. I mean, they were friends, and you know, they would call each other on birthdays and that kind of stuff. And he'd check in and see if we were doing well. And you know, he's, he's helped out my family and that kind of stuff a couple of times. So it was. It wasn't just, um, you know, like I said, it wasn't like a strict professional relationship. It was. It was a bit personal as well. And and so I assume that that was after she must have gone to him because she thought that she was being abducted by aliens or something. And then right, went to him. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not quite I, honestly. I never even thought to ask how she met up with him and all that stuff. Okay. But yeah, she was. She they initially met through the abduction phenomenon and her approaching him about um, hypnosis and and looking at her experiences. Okay, and so you were raised to believe what about yourself and what about your your mother or your family? Um, it, it was one of those things where. I kind of discovered it on my own in the sense that as a child, I, I had seen some, some really crazy things. I can go into detail about some of those things if you'd like. Um, but um, as far as abductees go, a lot of people don't necessarily recall you know, a lot of stuff that happens. They remember them in you know, dreams or in just all of a sudden it kind of hits them. They remember it. As a child, a lot of the stuff that I saw and experienced were things that I saw consciously and was aware of. I, didn't, I haven't gotten that so much as an adult as I did as a child. But um, So I had, when I was just, just young, um, I, I saw some weird things. I saw, you know, beings in, in the hallway. I, I remember floating down some steps and all that. And uh, discussing that with my mom, she had, heart, she had already believed in the UFO phenomenon, and that was kind of her way of explaining it to me, was just through the phenomenon itself. So I was introduced to it at a pretty young age. So she hadn't talked to you prior about this stuff prior to you going and telling her what was happening with you? No, I mean, she, I, I don't think she really made an effort to, to make it part of our lives. I, I believe it was more so us, you know, me and my younger sister approaching her and, and talking to her about it and then using what she knows as an explanation for it. Okay. And so did you see any stress on her part? I mean, you know, in terms of this whole hybrid thing, being involved with Jacobs and knowing eventually what you came to know about, well, his thinking on all of this, did you see signs of that 
with your mother? Find, was she stressed out. out about about I don't know hybrid aliens or evil aliens well, or she, any of that sort of stuff? She she had gotten out of the uh, field um, when when her health started going down. She's very sick, and um, that was right when the hybrid stuff started really coming out and and was really kind of prominent in the UFO research field. Um, she was uh, she. She was a big part of the first book that Dr. Jacobs had done, and I think she was somewhat involved in, in the threat, the second one. Um, but after after that, when the when the hybrid stuff got really intense, she wasn't so much involved. She wasn't doing hypnosis or anything like that. So as far as the hybrid stuff in particular, she wasn't she wasn't too too big on that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, she may have seen like early stage hybrids, according to what Dr. Jacobs has come up with, or something like that, but not the beating you up hybrids. You know, the the human ones. Right. Okay. And so, at what point did you decide to check out your own situation through hypnosis? Hmm, let me think. Um, I I remember that I was having some experience at the time I was having very strange dreams and um like I said my my mother had stopped working with Dr. Jacobs um but I I started having like just really odd dreams I had that had to do with you know certain things I do with the phenomenon remember like I said as a child I really experienced a lot of a lot of interesting things and saw a lot of bright lights and you know all all the stuff that goes with with being an abductee but then through my my teenage years uh, I, I didn't experience that so much. And then some of it started kind of coming back in, in the form of dreams and, you know, um, sleep, like waking up paralyzed and just some, some weird stuff, nothing concrete in that. It was definitely the um, UFO phenomenon, but stuff that made me think. And as I talked to my, my mother about it, she kind of reintroduced me to the whole phenomenon. And then I was inspired to contact Dr. Jacobs. So that's what I did. I got a hold of him through email and we talked for a little bit. I, I told him I was interested in in doing hypnosis, and he was rather reluctant to work with me at first, um, just because I was so young. But it, it, eventually, he he was okay with it, and then we began doing some sessions. Just as a sort of a tangential question, you know, sure. looking back on those initial things that happened to you, the snippets of memory that you do have, um, if nobody told you it was aliens, does any of what you remember experiencing uh, strike you as aliens, or does it seem, I don't know, like that maybe doesn't cover it? Um, honestly, I, I can't say, because even though I was conscious during remembering those things, I, 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 if, if no one had mentioned aliens to me, my first guess wouldn't have been aliens, per se. Um, but it, it's, you know, I guess if someone had told me they're ghosts and then showed me a bunch of information and said that these were ghosts, you know, I probably would have bought into that. Now, I did, I did read um, a lot into the, the phenomenon itself and reading some of the things that people in the phenomenon had experienced and been through, I saw some congruencies there. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know how that works because, I mean, the whole thing is just so beyond our minds that I couldn't tell you if there's even really a phenomenon going on or for something about the human psyche or, or what it is exactly. But I do know that some of the things I saw fit into what others had described that were also abductees. Hey, Brian, can I just jump in here one second? Sure. I'm sure that there's one particular event in your life, as most people do. They have one particular interaction with this thing that was the most potent. 
Uh, can you walk us through what you feel would be the most potent reaction or event that, that you had with this? As far as my experiences themselves? As far as an experience, yeah. The most traumatic one that I remember was I was probably, oh, I would have to say 10 years old or something like that. And I was lying down in bed and so it was just a kind of a weird, just was a weird vibe in the room. It's something I can't necessarily explain in words, but just the room felt different. And I was lying down and I saw three or four beings. It was really blurry. I, I, I call them beings because that's what I interpreted them as, but I, I can't really explain what they looked like. They were just like blurry figures. And I saw them walk through my bedroom wall and I saw a flash of, of white light and then I was out and I woke up the next morning. That that was the most intense thing I, I had seen, and that was absolutely terrifying for, for being as young as I was. And I, I recall the next day talking to – I had a friend sleep over that night, and I remember talking to my family and stuff. And while mine was the most intense, um, every, everyone seemed to have had a, an, an odd night that night. Would you the, – the feeling I, – I mean I'm really interested in when you describe that the feeling in the room changed – would you attribute that to like a surrealistic feel or would you kind of lean the other way and go, it felt like doom? I, it's hard to explain. I guess the best way to put it was it just it almost felt like I was in another reality. Just okay. cause things, just my body didn't feel the same. And uh, just, I, I felt like, a, I guess it felt like a presence in the room, even okay. though I didn't even see anything at, quite yet until they walked through the walls. I could just feel a presence in the room that was just foreign. Okay. Okay. Um, and any, well, I, you say everybody that night had something go on. Um, just, just for my own personal curiosity, at that point in your life or that of your families, was there any kind of major change going on, you know, within the household or within the family unit at all? Um, I, I, can't say it was exactly at that moment, but I know that when I was living at that house, it wasn't but within two years or so that my parents had gotten divorced. Okay. Um, so my, my parents, and it was a really ugly divorce too. So um, that, that so was likely, something around yeah. it. Yeah, likely, so, I mean, likely there was some kind of stress going on as far as that goes, you know. If, yeah. If that, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how it's related, but if you're, if you're asking, there must be something. Well, I mean, um, how long, how long had you been in the house? When that, when um, that... I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but it was, I mean, I know that my, my, my best friends was over and I, and I was, it took a while for me to live there and him to become my best friend. So we probably were there for about a year. Okay. Okay. Is this a single family home or an apartment? Um, it was like a townhouse in the city. Townhouse. Okay. All right. Jer, if you want to. Sure. Um, so you go to see Jacob's. You undergo hypnosis. What is that process like for you? Um, it's it's different every time, actually. Um, like I, I'm, I would be one of the people that you consider to be more difficult to hypnotize. The first time I did it, um, I was I was really really under, and I I was very very hypnotized because I, I recall that I was as I was going through my memories and my thoughts and everything like that that I could actually feel what I was feeling when I was looking at the memories. For instance, if I was crying in the vision I was seeing, I would start crying physically. And that was the most under I've ever been. Um, every time after that, it, it wasn't quite as intense. 
But um, while, while you're under hypnosis, it's it's kind of weird. It almost feels like you're kind of lost in space and time, and all you all you can hear is the voice of of Dr. Jacobs talking to you. And while while he's talking to you, you know, he's he's saying, you know, asking you questions about a certain event. And as he asks the questions, your your mind kind of picks up with the answer for it and kind of shows it in front of you. Sometimes it's more difficult than other times. Um, but I remember, I, it's almost weird because when you're under hypnosis, you don't realize just how out of consciousness you are until you wake up. And like, I remember I would wake up and it would just like, it would feel like almost like a shock to me because it just didn't seem like I was that out of it. But yeah, you are, you do let go of the conscious mind pretty well. When you wake up, do you, do you have the, those as memories? I mean, do you have the sense that what you remembered is not confabulation I mean, not, um, now, not now looking back at it, but but then, did you wake up and go, oh my god, that was a real memory, as opposed to, oh my god, I just imagined something to present to the the therapist because he was asking me questions? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I don't know, it's probably different from person to person, but, but for me, I, um, I, I always kind of second-guessed myself, and, and I was always thinking, that did that really happen? Did that really happen? And, you know, when... when I guess well as soon as I got out of the hypnosis I would I would have a conversation with Dr. Jacobs about it and then we'd analyze it and and certain things would seem to to make sense with things that are going on in my life at the time you know what I mean so it's like it's almost like we kind of put the pieces together and and it made it attached to to reality a bit more because things things like for instance I had woken up one day with a scratch on my head. I didn't know where it came from. And then through, through the hypnosis session, I, I kind of figured it out and it made sense if you understand what I mean. So, I mean, there were certain things that would confirm it. There were certain things where I just couldn't tell if I was making it up or not. There are certain times where you just don't know. Hmm. Um, and was he uncertain at times whether or not you were making things up or did he seem to have a handle on all of it? There are certain times where he wouldn't really let you know, um, and there were there were other times where you could tell that he really believed that that's what was going on. Um, it all, I guess it all depends on what what the event was. I, I, he was a, he was a bit more skeptical when I first started working with him as opposed to later on. And uh, how many uh, sessions did you undergo? Um, I believe five with him. I did I did other sessions at home, but not with him. Okay, and so you're going through this now. Are you feeling like you're getting some benefit out of this as far as therapy goes? Um, do you feel better about what's going on in your life? Uh, how, how does it help you? Well, it, the, the the only benefit that I that I gotten from it at the time was that it made some sense, so to speak, out of what I was going through, as far as like seeing weird things and and not understanding you know, why these things were happening to me and not understanding what I was seeing. It, it, it put a story behind it, if you know what I mean. It, it, it made it so that those things made sense mm-hmm. to me at the, t- at the time and, and all that. Um, but there were, honestly, I would say, and this isn't, this isn't a personal knock to Dr. Jacobs. I'm just saying for, for me personally, I was happier not doing it when I think back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was not, it was not really therapeutic for me. In fact, it just added more stress me if anything because your life changes when you do something you go through something like that and you you start to see um life in a whole different perspective and you add a whole other dimension to it when when you're talking about extraterrestrial beings being involved in your life i mean it's pretty intense and it's not something you can really talk to everybody about right 
Uh, well, in terms of this stuff with Jacobs, where, where did it go south for you? Where did you um, – I know that somehow Elizabeth was involved. What was her involvement? I guess let's let's try to flesh out that piece of it. Yeah, that – it's a pretty complicated story. Um, because you've only but, had five hypnosis sessions with him, so I don't I – don't, how, how is it that she <laughs> was so egregious that, that it uh, woke you up out of all of this? Well, as, as far as my experience with, with Dr. Jacobs and Elizabeth, I mean, most, most of what, what has gone on with me and stuff, not, not really just, it's not really just what I went through as a research subject, but I also went through as a researcher and just the personal relationships. Um, like I said, I had I, done many other hypnosis sessions, just not with them. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not with Dr. Jacobs. Um, but I guess the story kind of starts off with, I was, here, I actually had some dates written down because I wanted to remember this. Um, I'd gotten into contact with, with um, Elizabeth in early 2007, and I had started hypnosis Dr. Jacobs in late 2006. So um, I believe I got, I'd gotten Elizabeth's contact information from my mother. Um, I could be wrong, um, but I know that before I had started my hypnosis sessions, Dr. Jacobs had spoken to Elizabeth about me just kind of wanted to get her opinion on, on whether I was too young or whatever. And so I, um, I wanted to have more people to talk to regarding this whole subject because it's such a taboo topic and it's really hard to find people that would even believe you if you talk to them about it. So I contacted Elizabeth and, and then her, her and I began, um, having conversations, just talking about, um, just abductions and her experiences and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we went back and forth and I guess our relationship got tighter when Dr. Jacobs had told us that he could no longer be doing hypnosis sessions with, with uh, Elizabeth and I. Uh, but you, you knew Elizabeth beforehand because your mom was friends with her, right? Right. I mean, they, they weren't like really close friends, but they were, you know, they, they, they talk every once in a while or send Christmas cards, that kind of thing. Um, when my mother got sick, she, she didn't really stay in as much contact with her as she had. Okay. And so explain to us how it is that you became better friends because you couldn't work together. Is that, is that what you just said? Right. Oh, because Dr. Jacobs was no longer interested in, in doing, uh, regressions with, um, Elizabeth and I. Okay. And so, I mean, basically, uh, I can give you kind of the backstory behind that. I mean, I'm not sure how much you guys went over with Emma, but basically, uh, Dr. Jacobs had had gotten afraid that uh, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth's hybrids were were after him, and it was an awful thing that was that was going on. And then, I guess, Dr. Jacobs had gotten to a point where he felt comfortable with where he was at to a certain degree and didn't feel the need to, to um, look into Elizabeth's um, memories because he, he, he had, all right, I'm sorry. He'd initially done it uh, with, with Elizabeth. Like he, he didn't want to keep doing it, but he, he did because he wanted to know what her hybrids were doing because they had made, they had made threat towards him. Right. And so he informed me himself that he, just only working with Elizabeth for that reason alone. And once he felt that he was in an okay place, he didn't feel like he was in danger. He thought that he would just stop hypnosis with both her and I 
I'm, I'm not entirely sure why I was lumped into that, only because I really, at that point, I did not see anything like that that would at any means threaten him. Um, I, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is right. I have to look at my files. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that during her hybrid conversations with Dr. Jacobs that they had threatened him about working with me. And so he just wanted to get out of it at that point and then said that he wasn't going to work with either of us. So as a result of that, uh, Elizabeth and I began speaking more. Mm-hmm. And, and, and through that, we became closer friends. And because I had done a number of hypnosis sessions myself, as far as being the researcher, uh, the conversations began turning towards that and towards playing with the idea of me um, putting her under hypnosis. Uh, so much there. But let me ask you this first. When you first okay. heard about uh, hybrid instant messages, uh, what did you think? Did you think that was realistic at all? I didn't believe it at first. I, I really didn't. But you, you have to you have to remember that um, I going going into this, I was pretty naive to the subject. I didn't know much about it. All I knew was that I knew Dr. Jacobs as one of the you know leading researchers on 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 UFOs and, and the phenomenon, and I trusted his opinion more than I trusted mine when it came to that. Um, and so I, I'm embarrassed to say that I actually believed him for a bit. I'm embarrassed to say, it, but it's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I believe that it was going on at first. I really was skeptical about it, but I, tr- I trusted his judgment, figured he would know better than I did. And so, yeah, I just kind of took his word for it. Okay. And so at what point did you stop trusting him or stop trusting Elizabeth? This is very complicated, <laughs> but I'll try to explain the best I can. Okay. So anyway, I, I was working with... Elizabeth, we were doing IM hypnosis sessions, which I didn't like at first either. Um, but basically, wait, I remember I talked to. Wait, wait, wait! You were doing instant message hypnosis sessions. Yes, that's what Doctor Jacobs was doing with with Elizabeth. So not even and just so not I, telephone uh, hypnosis. No, I she was she was the only person I ever did that with, and it didn't last very long. Well, wait a second. Um, oh, maybe we're missing something here. When you say that you did it, you mean that you performed it on Elizabeth? Right. Uh, who trained you to do hypnosis? Um, I wasn't certified to do it. I just was kind of picked up from what I learned from, from Dr. Jacobs, and I'd, I'd done a lot of reading on it. Did, I, you, I was, did you tell him that you were doing I, this? He knew. And he was cool with it? He was, just, he was just happy to not have to deal with her hybrids. Okay. All right. So, so huh. how does one do hypnosis through instant message? Well, I I had been sent by Elizabeth some some, some copies of of ones that she did with Doctor Jacobs, and it was pretty much the the same type of deal, um, basically just just being typed out, and yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. Um, I I done I done eighteen of them with her, um, and. So yeah, I mean, basically that was what was going on. We were just—I would just type the things, type the questions, and all of that. And she says it worked, and so I just kind of went along with that. Am I allowed to ask how old you were at the time that you were doing that? Twenty-one. And how old was she? Uh, forty-something. Huh. All right. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um. I know. 
so okay, so but this is the life that you're living. This is you know this is all making sense to you because you're indoctrinated into this, and uh, you know it completely makes sense. Oh, to I, me. I I was I was absolutely engulfed in the whole thing, and and like like I said to you before, I mean when I look back on it, I, I'm really embarrassed that it even happened. You know that I even thought like that, but. When, when you first get involved in the subject, you get so involved, it becomes such a huge part of your life, and you feel so different from everybody. And honestly, like, you just start to, you just start to trust people in the field too much. And, like, I, I trusted Elizabeth way too much to start off. But, like I said, I mean, she was, like, the, the top-notch prized um, abductee for, for Dr. Jacobs, and, and, and he trusted her. So I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't. And as crazy as an instant message might sound to me at the time, it didn't seem so crazy because I was so engulfed in the in the phenomenon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as I as we I think both agree and told Emma, um, I think when you get sort of involved in that whole Dungeons and Dragons aspect of this stuff, I think it's kind of a miracle that you come out of it at all. You know, so. You know, how do you it, mean? Well, I mean, it, it sounds cr- crazy to the outside world to think, well, gee, how could you believe that? But really, when you're that involved in it and you do believe it, I think it's amazing that you were able to even step back at some point and go, wait a minute, <laughs> something's wrong here. Well, this that, that's what that's what happened because that's when I figured out that it was all BS. <laughs> um, because I, I, I just took a step back and I'm like, wait, this is way too ridiculous. And then I took steps to to find out that it was all just a mess and it wasn't true but i don't even know how you want me to get there because there's a lot of stuff i could talk about well let's let's go with uh, what was your initial what was the initial thing with with elizabeth where you said okay this this can't be happening this isn't real she's pulling the wool okay. over my eyes now you have to understand when i when i first got into this whole thing um i, I basically i i had heard from elizabeth right away that that dr jacobs was was afraid and and he was afraid for his safety and all of that because at at some point during his instant message regressions with um elizabeth that at some point a hybrid had taken over a computer and spoke to him directly threatening him um are you there oh yeah oh sorry i just got quiet um yeah so she he <laughs> stunned silence don't worry <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's okay. He he just felt he felt threatened. I I don't remember exactly what they what they said or what whatever it was said to him. Um, but I just know that the general gist was he had to stop doing hypnosis. He had to stop doing his research and all of that stuff, or else they were gonna monitor him and and keep an eye on him and get him and that kind of that kind of stuff. So I I know that he was pretty pretty afraid of that and that and that all was going on right when i kind of jumped into the scene so with that being said he had these these hybrid chats every every so often with elizabeth and yeah so i guess when when elizabeth and i started talking it inevitably inevitably happened on happened in the conversations that her and i were having and then these so these so-called hybrids would come on and, and and speak to me through through im Every, not not every time, but pretty frequently. Uh, and did you believe that they were you believed that they were hybrids at the time, or? Um, I was really skeptical at first, and then I kind of just kind of let let it, let my gut go. I I trusted Elizabeth very much. I mean, I I hadn't just talked to her online. I'd seen her in person. I talked to her on the phone, 
and she was a longtime friend of my mother's, and she was a longtime friend of Dr. Jacobs. I didn't really have a reason not to believe her. Um, and like I said, I know it sounds, sounds kind of crazy, but at the time, that's just what it was. And I'll put it this way. I wouldn't tell my friends, <laughs> but I, I, believed it almost, I believed it to a degree. And um, so basically through these, these hybrid chats, um, we would just talk. I would, I would talk to these so-called hybrids, and it, it, it turned into like a little like a little game where it's really really complicated. I was pretending to be a different person because she had advised to me that I should be something somebody different, so that way they didn't know it was actually me, Brian, that was doing it. You see what I mean? So yeah. I pretended to be I, re- I pretended to be someone named someone named Mark. And and in doing that, I would just talk to the the hybrids, and they would want. It was it, it was really ridiculous. They they would ask me a question, I would ask them a question. It was kind of an agreed upon format, and um, through doing that, just things started to click with me that it, this this is just too ridiculous. There's no way. And then that's when I kind of took steps to to find out the truth. What kind of questions were you asking, and what kind of replies were you getting back? If you can remember any of them, it's helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I have it. I have it all on my computer. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Like, I, I would ask. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to give specifics. Like, I, w- I would ask about like certain, let's say, procedures they would they would do, uh-huh. and um, they would answer typically. Oh, that that is not for us to answer. That involves the ones above us, or it's all. It was all very very vague. Cryptic vague. stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that, you know. And you'd ask the basics: what's the purpose of the phenomenon, and and all that kind of stuff. And then, see, then things started t- kind of taking a really wild turn. If it hasn't taken a wild turn already, um, in in that, all of a sudden, this I'm speaking to these hybrids, and then this other little hybrid also starts to talk to me, and all of a sudden, he starts having feelings and stuff, and is relating to the human condition and all that. I didn't buy a lot of that, and that was right around the time where I, I figured out it was all not true. You fi- so you figure out that it's not true, and do you confront her? Do you? Do you I know that you tried to accumulate or did accumulate uh, evidence um, to present to Dr. Jacobs that she wasn't telling the truth. You know, right. what was that uh, um, process? Here, here's basically how I did it. I mean, there were, there were numerous things that I, I did. For instance, um, I tried to death to get her to use a web camera because like we'd be in the middle of talking and all of a sudden she'd disappear and all of a sudden, you know, these, these hybrids would get on. And so I, I got her to turn on a microphone one time and while, while the microphone was on, um, you know, all of a sudden I just hear these loud bangs and then nothing it was all silenced. And then I was like, look, all right, so you're willing to use a microphone you're, you know, you're, you're willing to, to fight this. Can you please set up a web camera? Because I really needed that confirmation. And, and it kind of got to the point where, oh, don't you trust me kind of thing and all that. But, I mean, I had asked her to use the web camera, and, and each time she would tell me, oh, I can't use the web camera because it's not working, or I don't have the CD, or, you know, I, whatever it was. And she just kept giving me different reasons for it. And that really kind of made me think, like, okay, something's not right here. Because if you're willing to do the microphone thing, if you're willing to – Say you're, you're going through all this hardship in the name of research, then why aren't you willing to try setting up a web camera? And, and so she didn't do that. And then 
what I had done was I, I kind of, since the whole hybrid thing, I could ask a question, they would ask a question or whatever. I kind of set it up so that I would ask a question that had nothing to do with with the f- phenomenon or things that were going on. And I, I figured if I got an answer that seemed like a reasonable answer, if you if it actually was part of the phenomenon, then I know it was her typing it. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I did that, and I caught I, I caught her. And so what happened was I just typed. I'm like, look, I'm not playing this game anymore. This is ridiculous. And then I got an, an email message from her account saying it was the hybrids, <laughs> saying, oh, I'm sorry, what did I do? It was like the one that had feelings <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. It, it was, it was, Mac it, from it Mac was, and me? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous, you know, and and all that. And then I got an email from her the next day saying, oh, I, I don't know what happened last night. My Everything on my computer got deleted and all that kind of stuff, so I'd like to talk to you, with you soon. And, and at that point, I, I just I sent her a long email just, just kind of letting letting go and just freaking out. And then I also done something else, too, where I had noticed that, like, if I was on Instant Messenger and whenever I, like, she, like, she would, whenever the hybrid tests were done, she would sign off. And then, so that I used to sign off all the time. But then I, I, I thought about it because she's always online at night. So what I did was instead of signing off, I went on as invisible. And then as soon as I went off as invisible, she came back on and put up an away message about just something stupid, like something about the beach or something like that. So I was like, oh, there you go. And um, so with all that, anyway, I had caught her. And the, the, the real significance of that is because she tried to manipulate me in the same way she had tried to manipulate Dr. Jacobs. Except for she was actually more successful with him because she, she had a, she really, really wanted control of this man. And this, this is where I might differ on, on, on some people's opinion of Dr. Jacobs in that I don't think he's a crazy guy. I don't think he's a bad person. I think he got played and he fell for it and, and all that. I, because the, the woman seemed to be obsessed with him. And I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't have any actual real things, to, you know, like real evidence to say this, this is her saying she's obsessed, but I, I could just, I got that vibe. And for instance, in some of her um, hypnosis sessions, she would see, you know, like go through one of the sexual experiences through um, with the hybrids. And all of a sudden, one time she saw Dr. Jacob's face there. You know what I mean? And um, she constantly, constantly wanted his attention. And it's just kind of convenient that whenever somebody got really close to him, all of a sudden her hybrids were telling him that, oh, he can't talk to them. It's bad news. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was his reaction when you accumulated your evidence and you, and you sent it to him? What did he say? Uh, nothing. And I, and I had a mountain of evidence, too, because, I mean, if you just look at it practically, I mean, just I'm, even if you believe in the phenomenon, it's just her stories and everything was just so intense and so big and just so there's so much going on that it's like a fantasy you know what i mean and it for like for instance um she had sessions where she would see myself and emma and dr jacobs on on board a ufo and all that kind of stuff i mean it was just really out there stuff you'd read in you know or you see in like a hollywood movie or something it was just too too broad and 
Like, there's, if you think about the phenomenon logically, if you go off the premise that was created by Dr. Jacobs and, and Bud Hawkins and stuff like that, it still it doesn't fit into all of that because it's too extreme. The logic behind it wouldn't have um, Elizabeth's hybrids having anything to do with me or anything to do with Dr. Jacobs or anything to do with Emma. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was just, it was too much. And, it, and um, then, then we found out later that uh, she's also... Um, she she write, she like writes fantasy stories, like on on the internet. Um, uh, Emma had pointed that out to me, and I, at first I didn't think it was that significant. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? That's kind of what's going on here, is that she's just kind of acting out fantasies that she has, and there's a there's an obvious attempt to control and manipulate Dr. Jacobs. And, and for instance, she she had me compiling all the evidence that I could and, and she was doing the same thing to prove to Dr. Jacobs that the, that the aliens had taken over his, his mind and they had control of him. And, and my, my honest opinion is that if you think about it, cause remember Dr. Jacobs had told me himself that he didn't really want to work with Elizabeth anymore, but he was doing so for his own safety to know what they were doing. And so, and so, by keeping him afraid, she kept him near him, near her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How how long of a duration did this go on for? What with uh, Elizabeth and Doctor Jacobs and you? Um, trying to think. I mean, really, I I had done about eighteen sessions with Elizabeth over the span. I mean, I it, it took me about like three to four weeks to really figure out that she was BSing me. Um, so, I mean, that, that was really kind of going on for about a month. With, okay, with, so how long you would know. you say that you were just sort of, I mean, in your life with this alien, what you thought was alien abduction, what you thought was specifically this range of alien abduction, I mean, how much of your life were you paranoid about this? Weeks, months, years? I'm trying to think. I, I started hypnosis with Dr. Jacobson, like, basically early 2007. I would say... About six, seven months. Okay, so that's not so bad. <laughs> no, I caught on. I caught on pretty quick. I mean, and considering how how into it and how intense I was with it, it wasn't. I mean, I could have been. I could have been way worse. Right. And and when did you hear about Emma Woods? How how did your relationship form? Well, when I, when I realized just because I had heard stories from from Doctor Jacobs and from Elizabeth, just you know about this this woman that was calling Elizabeth a liar and was just getting on his case and was flipping out. And, and as soon as I found out, you know, when I, as soon as I caught Elizabeth in the line, as soon as I figured out that everything that Dr. Jacobs was basing his, his current beliefs on with, about him being scared and all that, all that was, when I realized all of that wasn't true, it was because of the manipulation by Elizabeth. I was like, I got to talk to this woman. Because like she was the only other person in the world that would understand what I had just gone through, and so um, I guess they they were always kind of like they were sending my mom like links to her website and stuff, and so um, they they didn't want me getting in contact with her because they knew links that to I, Emma's website. Yeah, like they they were constantly reading her website and flipping out. She changed like two words, you know, and so I had gotten. My my mother had left the computer on. I had gone over and quick what written down um, Emma's email address 
and then I, I contacted them that way. Okay. And, um, huh. Well, I guess we should go back because we just sort of skipped over what was Jacob's reaction. You said nothing, but I mean, how does he just ignore this or does he, did he just get rid of you at that point? Um, I don't know exactly what words were said, but basically he didn't believe me. He, he, the, he didn't even give, I mean, I, I'd written a long email with all of my evidence showing that it wasn't, that she was lying to him and I sent it to him and I guarantee he didn't read any of it or at least not at that point. And, um, he, he had sent me a very general email back. I don't want to say exactly what he said cause I don't remember. Um, and then after that, you just, you just seemed not interested in hearing it. This is after he told you about Emma Woods? Yeah, I, I knew about Emma, Emma Woods right away. Oh. I knew about her right when I first got involved. Okay, so he's got Emma Woods telling him that Elizabeth is shady and, and all of this, and his reaction is that she's crazy. And now you come right. along and you say, no, actually, here's the evidence. <laughs> uh, right. And and his reaction is to just brush that off. Uh, I mean, does he start then calling you crazy, or how does no, he? No, he he didn't he didn't really say anything about me. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. He didn't really say anything about me, but he just didn't seem to really care. He wouldn't respond to my emails, kind of thing. Um, and I sent him a, a last one, just saying, "Look," and I just try to reiterate everything everything to him. And then that's eventually when it came down to taking a polygraph test. Which she, which Elizabeth took, right? Okay, and she passed that, right? Yeah, I, I was, I was all ready to rub it in his face, and then I was pretty surprised when I, when I, when I, when I came back, and that pretty much solidified what he believed because after that he wasn't hearing anything. So, who do you know who administered that test? Under what conditions? What questions were asked? Any of that? I, I had the information on my computer. I don't remember exact. I mean, I know there were some things I didn't quite like about the questioning because you have to remember. We're talking about fake people. I mean, we're talking about hybrids that aren't really quite human, but they couldn't really put that in the questions. And it also used my, you know, it also said Brian, but I was also actually posing as a person named Mark. You know what I mean? So it gets kind of, it's like kind of a weird area where I don't really know if it was done the, the best way or not. Um, but I mean, re- regardless, it doesn't take a test to change my mind. You know what I mean? I've seen right. the evidence and it's just, it's, it doesn't matter what the test says. I know that, in fact, she was she was just making it all up. Well, if I if I can if I can interject something here about polygraph exams, uh, there was not too awfully long ago on the Showtime Network a little thing called bullshit with Penn and Teller, and one of the last episodes I saw with that was the polygraph and just how fallible. Uh, and just how worthless that they are, and I was actually pretty shocked because I always thought those to be a pretty, pretty uh, good gauge of telling who's being deceptive and who is not. But um, they went through the entire battery of things that how you can fake a polygraph, and believe it or not, some of it actually involved the sphincter muscle. That's right. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I said I've heard that. This. Yeah, and. Um, and, and and essentially, it's uh, raising and lowering your blood pressure, and you can do that any number of ways. But people have known how to get by polygraphs for years, which is why Penn & Teller essentially did this special on the polygraph, saying, essentially, it's bullshit. It's not worth uh, anything. So I, I don't know that I would take you know her passing a polygraph as any sort of verification of anything. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing, I mean, I'm sure there are mountains of websites where you can find out what you can do. But at the same time, like, to, to me, I, I was there. I saw the evidence, and they're just, it doesn't, like I said, you could pass a million polygraph tests. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter to you. Mind. Right. Yeah, not at all. Right. Not at all. So what about your mom in this? Now, she's friends with Elizabeth. She's friends with Dr. Jacobs. Does this put a strain on your relationship with her, her relationship with them? What What happens there? Oh, she she didn't want me doing this interview at all, just because she you know she is friends with them, um, and you know she kind of just tries to stay out of it, really, which is which is the smartest thing to do. Yeah, why did you decide to come forward? Um, I'm not even quite sure. I guess just because I wanted the there there aren't very many platforms where I can express my frustration with what happened, and. And, and to me, this this is one of the few platforms where I can I should just get out and just tell my story. You know, I didn't really have any I don't, I don't have any you know agenda or anything like that. I just wanted to tell the truth. You know, I just wanted to say this is what happened. Right. Um. So, where where did it go from there? Was there a, anything, or did it end? Did you just present your evidence to Jacobs? He said nothing about it, and then what you quit him? Yeah, I I, I just let it go. I mean, I, what else could I do? You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't want to be a pain in his ass or anything like that. If he had the evidence there, and he could have done with it what he wanted to do with it, and you know, if he decided not to, not to really, really think about it and, and look into it, that's you know, that that's his issue, and that's totally cool by me. It doesn't affect my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said my piece, I did what I had to do, and I got out. So okay, so in in, in terms of your uh, hypnosis sessions, when you were sort of talking. Um, about Emma with with David, or even in talking to Elizabeth, was was that sort of stuff going on prior to your hypnosis sessions? Did did the information you learned about these people inform your hypnosis sessions? Do you think? I talked to Elizabeth on a pretty regular basis, and you have to remember that I I had grown up with with my mother and, and even my father to a degree who who were already really engulfed in the subject. So I knew a lot about it. You know, I'd already been as a as a child I'd already been on a TV show. My my mother had been on several T V shows. So I I had quite a, a range of knowledge. And like I said, I talked to I talked to Elizabeth pretty frequently and she would tell me all about her things that she she saw and sometimes she'd tell me about some of the things that Emma saw and all that kind of stuff. So I mean I I had a pretty pretty wide knowledge of of it before I even went into it. So I, I really wouldn't, now that I look back on it, I knew way too much to go into hypnosis because I'm sure there was confabulation left and right, really. I mean, because like I, I think about some of the stuff I said and then I think about some stuff I already knew and some of it kind of corresponds with that. Was Dr. Jacobs concerned about that type of cross-pollination? He was, but when, when we went into the uh, the sessions, he at one point said that he, he believes that my information was was trustworthy. Um, but 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 beforehand, he he did have some concern. He he was concerned to a degree that I might know too much. But after we started the sessions and he saw how I did, he he thought I was okay. And have you talked to any other experiencers in this particular loop? I mean, other abductees that have gone to see Jacobs. Um, do you know them? Are you friends with them? Not, not so much. Uh, the, the only ones I, I know on a, I mean, I know other abductees, but as far as working with Jacobs, um, I just, just Emma, Elizabeth, my mom, my father. Okay. So, what's your takeaway on hypnosis? Because um, I know that you haven't listened to our show, and and so, and and maybe haven't even, you know, looked at sort of studies on hypnosis, but just having gone through this, 
Would you recommend hypnosis regardless of this or no? It's hard for me to say because I, I honestly had no idea how much of what I saw and what I, what I said was actually real. You know what I mean? And, and for me, I guess it's a little bit harder because, like I said, I already knew a lot of information. But I have performed hypnosis on people, and I've seen some interesting results. Um, like, for, for instance, when, when I had approached hypnosis with, with um, some of the people that I worked with, I had gone about it in a different way. I, I talked to people about some, some strange things um, that they had seen and experienced, but I, wouldn't, I would never let them know what I was actually looking for. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say oh well that might be aliens or anything like that I would just kind of say okay well look um, I I have a way we can we can possibly look look at this let me know if you'd be interested in doing that I usually give them about a week or two to respond and and think about it and I would go about the hypnosis session and I would you know go step by step and and not really lead them anywhere just kind of follow where they led me and there were certain things that that people said that lined up with some of the stuff that I've I've heard in in other hypnosis sessions about UFO abductions. And so that was pretty intriguing to me. I don't know exactly what it, what it means. The whole thing's kind of really just beyond me, but um, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, But I don't know. I mean, there, there are a number of things that the phenomenon could be rather than just like a a physical memory of something. I don't know how the human mind works in in that way, but uh, there is something to be said about the confirmation people have shown, and I, I think I learned the most about that when I had done the hypnosis myself on people, when I saw the things that they said kind of lined up with some things other people said, but they had no idea what we were actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, does it – I mean, it's just troubling to me because you are so young and you were even so much younger when you were doing this. I mean, I can't think of any science that's like, come on in. Anybody <laughs> and just, you know, meddle with people's minds. Like even, even if it was just fine, even if you didn't do anything wrong, I, it just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, now that I'm older, now that I know more about it, um, I wouldn't do it. Uh, it's just that I just didn't realize that, you know, the potential harm that it could cause at the time. I, I, I thought as far as I was concerned, um, I just thought that you were just looking at memories and that, you know, you could go into it, and if things start getting bad, you snap right back out of it, and everything's fine. Right. So I, I, I was a bit naive, and it was, it was kind of irresponsible of me, but I can't take it back now. So where are you now with your experiences? Are you still having them? No, not really. Not really at all. I mean, I, you know, I'll have weird dreams and that kind of stuff, but they're just weird dreams, you know? And um, it, it was way more intense when I was actually thinking about it all the time and that kind of stuff, and I was noticing more, but I haven't had anything at all. Not, not not really a single instance. You know, I, I had talked to him about this the other day. I just I just don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Oh. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. I don't even know where to go. Pretty crazy I mean, stuff, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh you know, in all the time that we've that we've been talking about all of this, I mean, what what you did as far as uh, hypnotizing people and like you say, not being trained, being kind of naive about it. I mean, I saw this firsthand myself. Um, I, I had uh, I had a, a discussion group that I belonged to, and uh, both online and offline. And I remember meeting some people from the online group, and uh, you know, going to a convention together or some kind of UFO expo, and 
And two of the women going upstairs to do regression on each other. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're, you're not a hypnotherapist. You don't know anything about, well, I've been hypnotized, so I know what to do. And I know the words to say, and that's enough. And so, you know, I started seeing exactly like what you described, which is this narrative gets started. And then before you know it, your head's completely underwater. And you don't know from air. At that point, you're essentially you're losing all critical thought when you're in that situation because you are so into it. Uh, right, you get rid of you get rid of the conscious mind, which does a lot of that. Critique. Yeah, well, I mean the the whole critical process of saying, now what is this really? I mean, there's no stepping back from it at that point. And I, I'm just, I mean, what I'm curious about is when you're in the throes of that obsessive nature in discussing this stuff with Elizabeth, whether it be online or offline, there had to have been something that made you step backwards. Was it just her story was so involved and so X-File-ish, which I'm guessing is probably what it was more or less like, that you said, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't, something's not right. What was the spark in your head that said, I got to step back for a second because something's not lining up? Um, it, it was, it was always in the back of my head. It was always there, even okay. a little bit. So you always, I, okay. So yeah, you always had that thought. Right. And I, I just kind of ran with it. I mean, that's why I had wanted her to do the webcam so bad because I wanted that confirmation because I wanted to believe that it was real. I mean, cause it would have got off a waste of time if it wasn't, you know, <laughs> right. and yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't yeah. a waste of time. But, I mean, I wanted to believe it was real because if it was, then what I was doing was extraordinary. If it right. wasn't, I was just a fool. And, and so I, I, I guess part of it was that I, not, not so much that I trusted her, but I guess part of it, too, was that I wanted it to be real. And I, I, would, I hated to think about the fact that a, a friend would, would pull something like that on me. What, was there also a uh, – I don't know. What I've heard from a lot of people – uh, that I've uh, sort of reconnected with uh, over the past six months has been that, and they too came to the same kind of realization as you did. Uh, you know, when it came to going up in the motel room and let's do a regression session, you know, they said, well, sooner or later you, you get bored with that. You, you, you kind of uh, grow up and out of it. And I said, well, when you say grow up and grow out of it, that kind of says to me uh, that you viewed it as a game. I mean, to you, this was, just trying to get inside your head a little bit. This was kind of exciting, I would assume, uh, for oh, you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I I enjoyed doing it, and it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at that point, how much of this stuff would you say was was engrossing your life in like a hundred percent to zero percent? Where would you fall? Um, it would go up and down. I know there were certain weeks where I would not just do the regressions, but I would, I would talk to her for hours, right. for hours. And, and so I, I don't know, percentage wise, I mean, there, there's as, as far as my hobbies and interests went, you know, it was up there in the 60 percentile. Right. I mean, I, I had a lot of, I have a lot of, I had a lot of other things going at the time too, but I mean, I was constantly thinking about it and I was, you know, I mean, we were doing a session almost every night for, for a little bit there. Okay. Um, would you would you say that uh, and and this is a again a completely tangent issue, but when you were in that frame of mind and you were talking to her about this stuff for hours and you were doing the IM things and you were 
you had your head so underwater with this thing. And let's forget, let's put aside, as we know, the the hypnosis area of recall. I'm talking about right. r- direct recall or direct experiences that you can remember just like that. Uh, did those things seem to escalate to you? Did they stay the same? Did they not happen at all? Where would you say that when you were in the throes of all this and you were as deep in as you could get, were you noticing more activity, legitimate activity for yourself? Um, and that's a hard question to answer in that I, it, it's hard to say whether I was witnessing more activity or whether I was just more aware of, of stuff going on. But I, see, this is one of the things that I absolutely disagree with, with Dr. Jacobson. And, and that is that it, he said to me one time, and it really bugged me. And that, and that was that whenever you deal with certain strange things in life, you have to first filter it through the abduction phenomenon before you filter it through anything else. To me, that just takes away just coincidence or just strange, you know, just something happening just because that's the way nature is as opposed to, you know what I mean? You you can't do that. And and I think that's the kind of thinking that the kind of, you know, just just made him him paranoid and and worried and stuff. We've talked a lot on this show about the loss of critical thought the longer that you stay in this. I mean, you obviously experienced this. Right. Uh, would you say, in your opinion, that Doctor Jacobs completely lost his critical thought? Ooh, that's 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 tricky because I mean, my, my whole opinion about about it is, I, I don't think that Doctor Jacobs is a lunatic, and for most of my life that I've known him, he's been a pretty cool guy, and he's helped my family out a lot. Uh-huh. And I got I, I got to give him that he he's been cool, and I really think that he he did pretty good stuff in his earlier work, but, but what I think his, his real problem is is that he allowed himself to get a little bit too personally involved with his subjects. Uh-huh. And I, I know he had good intentions in doing that, but at the same time, I mean, when, when, because he got so personally involved with Elizabeth, he developed a great amount of trust for her. And in, in, in developing that trust, he kind of just started believing everything she said that's okay when you're dealing with honest people, but when you're dealing with somebody that is, is more into the fantasy than in the facts, then she, she kind of, you know, he, he got so engulfed in it that he became paranoid and was believing everything she was saying. So I think in that particular instance, he did lose his, his concept of skepticism. I, I just don't think he was skeptical enough when it came to, at least to Elizabeth, because I've heard him be skeptical. I don't think he totally lost it, but when it came to, to her in particular, I think he did. Okay. I mean, just for, just for clarification's sake, we're not necessarily saying he went off the deep end or anything like that. I, I mean, right. I, don't, I don't even necessarily think that. I think that, I mean, what you're saying, I mean, essentially the answer to the question I asked was, yes, I mean, that he did. And uh, see, that's that's where I have this... Uh, and I, I've seen this not only with yourself, but with a lot of people talking about this stuff uh, uh, over the years. Is that you know, it, it's upon the researcher to take the lead role here and to be that voice of reason and to actually keep these things at arm's length. So I mean, the, the ultimate problem there is is becoming that involved with any of your subjects uh, uh, that you're researching their case uh, or any exactly. of the individuals, I should say. So, I mean, uh, you know, so the answer to the question actually is, yeah, he lost his critical judgment in a pretty good way. I mean, we, we actually heard that 
uh, in tapes that Emma's made public out there on the internet that that he right. was gravely concerned that people will think I've lost my critical sense. And well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, but that's, you know, I, I don't say that's not to be expected. That's to be expected with someone like yourself that, you know, was not always aware of how this thing played out was not always, uh, what, well was brought up around it for lack of a better word. I mean, you were brought up in, uh, in a household where this was, Known. Normal. This was not. Yeah. yeah well, eh, normal as normal as it can be. I mean, you were you were exposed to it at a pretty early age, and so therefore, I'm frankly surprised uh, that he wanted to work with you at all. Because being the son of someone he's already worked with, ha- you got to know there's uh, there's cultural contamination going on there to a large degree, and so that right. would be. I mean, if I were in those shoes, I'd say immediately, "Well, you're out," because. Uh, there's no way I can trust anything I'm going to get from you. But uh, it, it's always, to me, fascinating to hear the inner workings of, of this whole relationship and how these things work because uh, it, it is completely consistent with what I've seen in the past with this stuff. And, and, it's, and it's personally why I feel like hypnosis is such a dangerous game to play with. Uh, you know, I mean, do you, do you walk away from this thing saying that not, not that hypnosis doesn't have its uses. I mean, believe me, quit smoking, great, great stuff. Retrieving memory, not so much. Um, that's that's my stance on it. Uh, I, I mean, how do you walk away from this? Do you walk away from this saying, uh, as far as retrieving memory, hypnosis is complete horseshit for for a tool? Well, it's it's hard to say because you have to remember that the only hypnosis I've ever been a part of had to do with. Alien yes. abductions. <laughs> right. I've never seen. I've, I, yeah, I've never really seen hypnosis dealt with in normal situations where I've been under hypnosis. I'm like, oh, that's that's what happened. And oh yeah, I remember that now that I did that. So it's hard for me to say because okay. all the memories I was looking at had to do with aliens. <laughs> so right. it's kind of you know what I mean. I can't really make a judgment on that. Right, right. I, I am curious uh, now for these questions. Uh, how early did your experiences start or how soon, how early in life did you see odd things that you can remember that you remember? I, mean, I, you just, I was really young. I was really young. The, 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 the earliest one I could possibly remember is being like probably four or five mm-hmm. and just, just floating down a set of stairs. That was, I, I don't know why, but that's always stuck with me. How weird have some of your experiences, conscious experiences been? As opposed to, um, I mean, I mean, let's 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 define weird. Weird is being abducted by aliens, but there's yeah. a whole there's a whole other level of weird that I'm talking about. That uh, you know, uh, I don't want to suggest anything to you, but I mean, just a, a very surreal uh, experience that you feel doesn't always fit with something like flesh and blood aliens coming here from another planet to do medical experiments. It's been said on this show a number of times, and, and a lot of people have confirmed this for us, that um, to, to speak of the experience completely honest, you know, in a completely honest and frank fashion, is really a, a, a big leap. Um, and I don't know if you're going to want to take that leap here, but uh, how, how bizarre have some of your experiences been that you can remember? How bizarre? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um I mean, I've had, I, I've had, I've had one experience that's actually really kind of personal to me that mm-hmm. that, that happened about 
three, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that really had no indications of being UFO related at all. It felt more like a divine intervention kind of thing okay. than anything. It was, it wasn't even so much seeing things as it was just kind of feeling and, and just feel like, you know, just something was, was a part of me and, and I was just kind of taken over by something. And it huh. was pretty intense. I don't, I don't tell that to too many people, but it's, it's anonymous. I don't. I guess I don't feel too. Well, weird you're cool talking it. about it. He, you should hear some of the yeah. shit we talk about. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, give you like a for instance. I mean, just just to kind of maybe give you something to think about. Like I, I had a guy approach me not horribly long ago and say he remembered a a large rabbit coming to his window at night and seeing light, but it was this huge white rabbit. Uh, that that kind of hopped up to his door, uh, and it was you know five and a half feet tall. You would think, well, what the hell does that have to do with aliens, or you know, what does that uh, have to do with anything besides possibly a nightmare? Um, right. I mean, ha- have you had anything that this that just to look at it, you would go, now nah, that's not this. Nothing, nothing that extreme. No, uh, okay. I can't. I can't. Can't say anything like that. That's just blatantly just out of whack. Yeah. I mean, like I said, most of the stuff I've gone through, I, I can attribute to to some sort of divine thing, or you know, like a lot of the stuff was was contributed to abduction stuff, which can they can actually interchange. You know what I mean? A little bit. Right. Right. Huh. Um, well, I'm sure Jeremy's chomping at the bit to ask you about this thing that took you over. Um, <laughs> Yeah, are we, are we allowed? Are we allowed to ask about that? Because I've had, uh, well, similar perhaps things. I don't know because I don't know what your situation was. But is that something that you're willing to talk about? Yeah, but I, I was going to put a disclaimer on there and say, well, don't think I'm crazy. But, but I guess at this point, you know, <laughs> you've already made your mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, basically, I, I've always had a very—I'm I, I, a very spiritual person, not not so much in, you know, just the Bible and 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 really just text. But I have a really strong connection with the creative entity, as I like to call it. Just uh, whatever your your God may be, I call it the creative entity, just the force that 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 created us and that keeps us going. And um, I'm I have very eclectic views on religion, but anyway, I've always felt that force working through me since I was. I was young, and I, I've had like a lot of like you know uh, prophetic dreams where I, I would dream something and it would come true, and um, you know I would when, when I was a child I, I, I did so many crazy things I said so many crazy things that actually ended up coming true that at, at one point um, I had said as a child hey um, my, I drew a picture and my grandma was dead in the picture and because I had said so many things that people had had seen come true when I was a child and after I said it, that when I drew a picture of my, my dead grandmother, my aunt immediately went and flew up to a different state to go see her because she thought she was going to die. Like that's how, that's how intense it was. That's how much they took into what I had to say. And so I, I always felt like, you know, I, I had a special kind of connection with this, with this divine or creative entity. And, and so at, at one point I had gone, I was with my fiance at the time, and her and I were going to, I had an idea. I want to take her out to look at the stars. You now I'm all romantic and stuff like that. And, um, <laughs> and we went up to my, my old middle school and lay out a blanket under the stars. And basically we were just laying there and um, there's a field 
uh, across the way a little bit where there were cows and we're laying down in the middle of the night looking at the stars and all that. And all of a sudden these cows just start freaking out and just start, just start going and just making all this noise and it's kind of going nuts. And so we got kind of freaked out ourselves. And so we, we were like, all right, we're going to get going. Something's not right here because it was just, it was weird. It was dead silence. And all of a sudden the cows are, are going nuts and we just didn't feel comfortable. And so we were about to go and then we, I stand up and all of a sudden I feel like something just kind of takes over my body. Like the best way to explain it was I just, all of a sudden I felt like something kind of came over me and I felt like I was just kind of one with, with everything around me. I just kind of felt part of the, of reality. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but like I could feel like my fingers that are in the, the atoms in the air, you know, that kind of, it's like a weird connection, but I, I just felt it was like the most wholesome the most awesome feeling that I can't even describe in words that I've ever felt. And, and for some reason I just started, started spitting out these words that, um, that just were, just were not my words. I don't even remember saying that my fiance was there and she saw me doing this and she was like, what's going on? She went over to, to kind of touch me. And then she felt some sort of force or something, push her back down away from me. And I started talking and just started talking about the current state of, of humanity and where we all kind of stood and, and that we've kind of lost our way and we've lost touch with, with the purpose of, of life and what we're supposed to get out of life. And so, and then I had said something to the effect of, if you have any questions now, it's time to ask. And so she, she asked me some questions and the one that kind of stuck out to me after she, she told me about, I don't remember all of this exactly. I remember some of it, but she said, well, what's, what's the purpose of, of being alive? And my answer was for the soul to become aware of its own existence. And um, so after, after that, it, uh, I was basically told or I, I said out loud that this was just the first of many encounters. And as time goes on, I'll become more aware of what my path is going to be. And so then I kind of got out of this trance and her and I are looking up at the sky. And all of a sudden, we see a green streak of light go across the sky, just really big, like almost as big like a softball would look if it was like a little bit ahead of you. And so her and I went back to her car and we just sat in the car for about two hours without saying a word. And then finally one of us was like, did that just happen? Are you serious? Did that just happen? And we were just in awe. We didn't move into anything. We just sat there just kind of soaking it all in. But that was that experience. I can't believe I said that on a podcast. <laughs> but that happened. Yeah, I feel better about my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? I said, I feel better about my stuff. (laughs) I'm not alone. Oh, come on. No, come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything with the exception of um, speaking as another entity I can relate to. Like, I think um, getting into that other state and, you know, feeling the one is feeling as though you're actually interacting with the atoms in the air. I mean, to me, that's the equivalent of well, Jeff, when I've told you, like, the room becomes sort of other-dimensional or something. It, you know, you can't see your hand in front of your face, and you can sort of make patterns of color with your hand in the air, and that sort of right. weird Right, thing. it all kind of blends together. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I wonder what that is. I don't know, and I wasn't high or anything, I promise. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, hey, there's a question. Uh, what is your relationship to altered states? And believe me, on this show... We're not going to hold this against you. <laughs> How many psychedelics have you tried in your lifetime? Um, psychedelics, I think twice. I've done, um, yeah, hallucinogens. I did. Which I did, I did. 
I did acid once, okay. and I did uh, a synthetic called 2CI once. Huh. What's 2CI? I've never heard of that. It, it, I don't honestly. I took it when I was like 16, and I don't really remember much about it. I mean, it was it, it was very similar to an acid trip, but not quite so, you know, crazy. It was just a little bit more calm, and you know, like you'd see things kind of, you know, move together and that kind of stuff. It was, little, it was like a calm acid trip. Well, how would you compare uh, when during a, an alleged abduction experience when you feel the room change? How would you compare that to a hallucinogen and, and to that divinity experience in terms of feeling as if you're in another headspace? Would you say there's a similarity there? Or would you say they're completely different? What, what am I comparing the abduction to the divine thing or the hallucinogens to the divine thing? Um, to all three, just all three. I mean, do you, do you see similarities between the three? Um, the... Divine one was wasn't quite like that in the sense that it was more of a feeling than anything. Um, it's just kind of how you felt. Whereas with with the hallucinogens, it's more of what you saw. Um, and I guess with the uh, the abduction stuff, I mean, I don't really have any clear cut memories about the abduction things. As far as I just remember, like as far as consciously wearing, uh, consciously remembering things, I just remember snippets. Um, but. I don't know. I don't really think. I feel like all three don't really go together. Personally, I feel like they're 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 three different things. Um, I could be wrong, but as far as relating to how I felt at the time, I, I don't really feel any relation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think that this abduction stuff is about now? Uh, if not hybrid, you know, evil takeover of the Earth. Well, see, the, the the part where I get stuck, and this is where I really get stuck, is when when you're talking about the fact that you can have a person from Texas and a person from, I don't know, China, and like I, I'm sure you know, saying the same things, and that that's what gets me because if it wasn't for the confirmation things, I wouldn't believe it in a second. But then when it when it comes to the confirmation, it's like because I, I think about just logically how I mean because we're, we're talking about millions and millions of people getting abducted every night according to what some researchers say. And I just don't understand why there aren't more instances of people coming home and wondering, where the hell is my wife? You know what I mean? Like, why that isn't happening more often, or like at all. Um, because, because the thing is, I mean, it doesn't matter how intelligent of a being you are, human behavior is just not predictable. And so you don't know when someone's going to come home early. You know what I mean? You don't know that stuff's going to happen. Why aren't there more instances of that? And and that's that's kind of what what, what bothered me. So I mean, I, I'm kind of torn. It's like, well, why are these people seeing the same things? But at the same time, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't even consider it as a possibility. So I I just don't know. That's just honestly got true. I just don't know. Well, it's interesting that you say that. <laughs> I guess I have one more Elizabeth question, which is, wasn't she married, or isn't she? Married? When was she married? She she was she was married. Um, she is married. She has, uh, I believe, she has three children. Right. So, um, does her what does her husband make of this? Do you know? Have you spoken to him? Uh, no, I've never spoken to him. I I kind of think that she kind of keeps it um, distant from him. I mean, that's just my uh, that's just what I've gathered. Um, that I mean, I'm sure she talks to him about it, but it's like you know, she'll just kind of give it to him at face value and not really go into the, the depths that what she goes into. Hmm. And uh, do you know where these hybrids supposedly live? Could you just go to their house? No, I mean, <laughs> she had mentioned that she knew where some hybrids lived, but I, I, 
I don't know. I don't know if I would really believe in hybrids, so I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> I know, but wouldn't it be fascinating to just go knock on that door? Well, yeah, that's what I was telling her. I'm like, go knock on the door, <laughs> surprise them, and just see what they're like. You know what I mean? And she's too scared or whatever. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> um, now, I guess just one last question uh, in terms of where Jacob sort of went off the rails. I thought privately when we were talking the other day that, that you had suggested that maybe he just got too close to this phenomena and people get too close to the phenomena sort of go off the rails. Did, did I misinterpret that or do you think that that's a possibility? Well, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. Oh, well, I mean, I said it in a different way. I mean, I said he was getting too close to his subjects, but that in itself put him too close to the phenomenon because he got really close to Elizabeth and, and, and in doing that, she kind of brought him into the fantasy she was creating. And since he was so into the phenomenon, he didn't really think twice about what she was saying and took it all as fact. And by, by taking it all as fact, he then believed that he was being chased by aliens, which if you really were being chased by aliens, would be freaking scary. So I can understand why I'd be scared. But I just think he got too involved with the subjects because all of this, all the stuff with Emma, all the stuff with Elizabeth, even the stuff with me, all this would have never happened if he would just just kept it to research, he, you know, he make his friends somewhere at the bar, not through UFO abductions. You know what I mean? Right. If he was stuck to that, none of this would have happened. And what about you? Where do you go from here? Are you done even thinking about this stuff? Do you just go on with life? Oh, I I, I love this kind of stuff. I mean, I I love the discussions about it, and I you know, like like I said, I, I feel like I'm pretty in touch with. With you know, I I can really feel that there's that there's so many things going on in this world that that we can't see and that maybe maybe other dimensional or something. But I'm my focus has been more spiritually than anything. So I guess my my thinking has gone more towards the metaphysics and and um, you know about religions and God and what I call the creative entity and you know all that kind of stuff. That's where my my focus has been mostly. But I love talking about the paranormal and that kind of stuff. Because it kind of goes hand in hand sometimes. Yes, <laughs> you should listen to our show. I think you would enjoy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeff, do you have any more? Uh, do you have any more questions? Uh, I, I'm curious if uh, Brian, if you've ever had, you know, let's put all the alien stuff aside. Has you have you ever experienced any ghost phenomena? Or I mean, obviously, you you your your family at least thought that you had some extrasensory stuff going on. But any right. any ghost type stuff or poltergeist activity around you at any point in your life? No, I mean nothing like that. I mean you could take some of the stuff that I saw as far as when I was young and I saw beings walk through the walls. You could take that and, and twist it into ghosts. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because I mean you could take any of those experiences and you know once someone implies that it's something, you kind of take it as that. Yeah, so, sure. I mean I, I I've never had an experience where I thought I saw a dead relative or anything like that. No, I okay. don't anything like that. Okay. Huh. Okay. All right. Very good. Brian Reed, if that is your real name. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and for, you know, braving these waters and going public with things that um, probably are painful or embarrassing. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Yes, very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. It was a good time. I, and I'll be listening to your show, I guess, because sounds pretty cool. All right. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's All right, that's offer. actually Brian. That's how we get listeners. We just put people on the air and then right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I definitely want to be in touch with you. And plus, there's um there's some other things I, I wouldn't mind talking to you guys about off the air. 
Okay. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for everything, and I'll be in touch. Hi, this is David Roundtree, author of Paranormal Technology, and you're listening to Paratopia. So the Jeff. So the Jer. Wowie, wow, wow, as Christopher Walken might say. Yeah, there it is. So here ends here ends the, <laughs> here the ends, journey, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean I don't uh I don't really know how much how much more anyone needs at this point to kind of get a good feel for things. And uh I I think uh I think at this point the little unfelt episode uh, and the episodes that have dealt with this subject in particular from here on forward. Um, I don't know how much more anyone needs to hear. I, I, I think if everyone honestly and earnestly sits down and listens to these uh, shows uh, that we've done s- since Dr. Lillenfeld, I think it's pretty clear that, that no one should be using this tool <laughs> within this field. And I think we are still going to do an additional show, but this will be with a, a noted hypnotist, right? That uh, wants yeah, to come and I want to cover. I want to cover more than this with him. Things. I mean, he also talks about binaural beats and stuff. I mean, I'd really like to get to the bottom of yeah. what hypnosis is. If he knows what binaural beats are doing mm-hmm. in the brain, I mean, if he knows the answer to these things, I think those sort of you know mechanics will be fun to yeah. play with. It'll be a bigger show than just about this stuff. I mean, it'll be. It'll yeah, be about yeah. the mind's interaction with that. So but getting back to this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so Emma Woods is completely vindicated in terms of the lone crazy woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say so. Yeah, that is done. That is put to bed. Um, I think you have to be crazy at this point not to uh, call into question all of what Jacobs has done. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see where you. Because we have his public statement. It's not as though, I mean, he's been on a radio show. He put a public statement on his website, and we know what his interaction was with Bill Burns uh, over the UFO Magazine article. Um, and so you put that all together, and it ain't looking good. I mean, I don't I don't see what he could even do to resuscitate his career except just wait because it's ufology and everyone will forget in about a year. <laughs> yeah, ufology has a, a notoriously short-term memory problem uh you know in that way but now i i um i I gotta be honest i think the only uh i I think i agree with brian when he said that uh that the first book that that david wrote was a a good book uh and i did read that book this is the very first book that he did the ufo but it was a ufo uh, book it wasn't a uh, it was a ufo book. book yes correct it was not an abduction book um and to be honest with you i've you know, as far as the abduction work goes, I what do I say there? I I pretty much said since the first time I saw it on sightings being done, like this is not this isn't this this can't be right. And I think actually well, the yeah, sightings. You've, show been, you've I, been ahead of the curve, it. so you don't count. I mean for everyone out there well, who's I not mean, ahead of the curve, this is big news. I guess that's well, what I'm getting I, at. I think that you're just like blase about it because you've seen this coming for like the last 10 20 years <laughs> and uh for the rest of us schmucks this is like a slap in the face i mean even knowing about 
the instant message. Uh, I mean, Emma talks about the instant message hypnosis sessions. Right. And I didn't include that in my article because mm. I just thought it was so outrageous that no one's going to be- who's going to even it believe that that happened. The credibility of the story. Yeah. 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 And, and even in this story, it strains the credibility of the story. But to hear <laughs> it out loud from Brian, I mean, it just my jaw dropped, even though I already knew it. It's just like to hear it out loud is different than to read it or to have someone explain it to you, you know, but he actually did this and he actually was a right. part of this. And I think that's, it just smacked me in the face hearing that, you know, even though I already knew it. Well, and I think part of the reason is because he's an, uh, an articulate guy. He doesn't sound like a moron. He doesn't sound like, uh, you know, he doesn't sound like an idiot. And so to hear somebody say that, who sounds like they're more or less feet on the ground, just doesn't seem to make much logical sense to hear someone talk about doing this sort of thing over instant messages. I mean, it's just like, really? <laughs> what else can you do over instant messages? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> can you do magic? <laughs> I mean, you know, it makes sense in a certain way. Mean? I mean, it makes sense in in terms of um, you know, family friend trusts Jacobs, trusts Elizabeth. Right. If Jacobs right. is saying it's working, then well, just. But even so, even under this, right, even under Jacobs is my friend, Jacobs is the foremost authority, and so all I have to do is look at what he's doing and replicate that. Even that is, um, like, you can understand it from the point of view of of those relationship dynamics. Still can't understand it uh, in terms of what other huge profession can you turn to where you can just say, well, I'll just look at, uh, I'll just look at the surgeon doing surgery and then I'll go do surgery. I'll just look <laughs> yeah. at the construction worker put together, you know, plans for a building and then I'll go put, put together yeah. plans for a building. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into hypnosis than just look at this watch, you know, and listen to my voice. <laughs> listen to my, listen to the sound of my voice. And here again yeah. comes the problem with all of this, which is that David Jacobs, the foremost expert in all of this, according to himself, uh, is not qualified to be doing hypnotherapy because he lacks the therapy uh, part of that. He's not trained as a therapist. He doesn't know about any of the you know psychological dynamics that go on. He's not trained to deal with them. Uh, clearly, he got overly invested in his own subject here. So um, he's not the one to be teaching anyone anything. You're, he's not the one you're supposed to be looking at his notes, even if we did live in a world where we're okay to look at someone's notes and then go, I can do that. But right. we're not even living in that world. So it's like you put those – those are just two huge strikes and it's like it, it just smacks of that's what this field is. It's a whole bunch of people looking at each other's notes going, oh, I can do that and forgetting that this is an actual uh, profession that takes actual education in other fields and isn't something that you right. can just do on a whim. And that's why this has to be abolished beyond the fact that it's the incorrect tool for the job. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're right. I think that's exactly it is that so many people have seen this done over the course of time that just like you say, they watch a session, a, a video where someone performs this or they read an IM transcript. Uh, if, if one so desires to try and attempt this over the internet, which is absurd. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if when one so desires to do this, one can read the transcripts and pull out the questions and feed them to the subject through instant messages. So, yes, you can do that. The question is, should you do that? The answer 
is no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot of mic play tonight. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, <laughs> this is like super password. It's, I'm liking this. It, well, it, <laughs> uh, the answer is incorrect tool. Uh, it's just, my, my dad is an auto mechanic, and he's been an auto mechanic for 45 years. And I have watched him replace engines. I have watched him pull transmissions. I have watched him uh, do the simple act of checking uh, the radiator lever, le- level, uh, how much antifreeze is actually in the radiator. <laughs> and let me tell you something, folks. Just because a radiator cap is cool does not mean it will not spew like a shaken up Pepsi in your face when you take the, the cap off. Okay, this is a fact because I experienced this not more than a month ago. Um, I wasn't burned; it was cold. The water was, but this is what I'm saying. There are small subtleties. There are finer points of education in knowing what to ask, how to ask it, the tone of your voice, everything plays into this. And so it's unfortunate to me to think that people in this field, uh, and I'm not just going to, you know, I'm not just going to point the finger at at Dr. Jacobs. I'm going to say everybody in this field uh, who's been using this and doing this and then therefore actually teaching others how to do this. I think that's the bigger problem here. I'm always looking or trying to see the what you know the, the bigger problem is is that this this tool not only hasn't isn't the right tool, but it's also been used in such a blase way that it gives that appearance of well, I can do this because you're not going to watch brain you know surgery and go, well, that looks easy. Well, the hell it does. It doesn't look easy at all. This has the appearance of ease of use. It appears to be the magic key to unlock memory, and it very clearly is not that. Yes, I agree because you just said everything that I said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because what else is there? There's nothing more to say. I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, well, do we want to get into um – you had a, you had an issue of how, what the importance was of him admitting, you know that that he had done the instant messages on uh, her what fifty times or well, something. He, no, or something. he had, I, I, unless I got this wrong, he he had done instant message hypnosis with her, but he said that he had done hypnosis with fifty different people. Okay, that he was a yeah. researcher. He fancies himself a researcher at some point. <laughs> right. At some point, at the age of twenty one <laughs> or <Right>. twenty two. <laughs> You find that to be offensive. Well, of course, but you find that to be surprising. I mean, you, do you find that it? Yes, I, I mean, I, I, surprising. Astounding. Surprising. It falls into the category of I know it's there, but I haven't really heard it. I've just heard about it. Okay. Much like the All instant right. message hypnosis, and then once I hear it, it's like, oh my god, that's really real. That re- there really are people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all real. <laughs> well, I think it's again, real. again, it's 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 one thing for you and I to sit here and pontificate on everything. It's another thing to bring on guests who are like, "Yeah, that's what I did." Yeah. Um. So yeah, I do think that's a big deal. I think people need to hear it from the actual people doing it, not just us saying that people are doing it. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, the only thing I can say is, is like I, I think I might have said even during the show is that you know, 
going to a conference one time with a couple of experienced friends. They went up to their room and, and did this on each other. And I couldn't stay in the room because I felt like I felt like someone was doing drugs in the room. That's what I felt like. Like, I can't be here. I've got to get out of here. Uh, and, and mostly because of the two people, I held them in a certain amount of weight, you know, to to what they told me they had experienced. And, it, you know, and later it, I find out that a good chunk of what they recalled was in doing this to each other. And I thought, well, this is not right because they're not doctors. They're not trained to do this. Mm-hmm. And that was really what set me off to go, okay, I've got to try to help my friends break out of this. And so that was my actual drive for going, this is not, something's wrong here. And this is not, this is not what people should be doing. And that's more or less what kind of put the fire under my ass to go out and ask people, namely psychologists and hypnotherapists, is this, is this normal? Is this, is this that easy? Is it, you know, and I've talked about what the reply was. So I didn't find that surprising, Hmm. uh, unfortunately. I, I will say, I, yeah, and I don't see the importance of of it. I, I mean, it, it's 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 obvious that people have been doing this for a while. It's it's been the thing to do, and and you know, and in their defense, um, uh, and one might say there is no defense, but there is because you know, it, in essence, it's ignorance, and it's not intentional ignorance, and it's not they earnestly believe that this was. The way to do it. And so, I mean, at that point, they feel like they're just following the field guide. They're following the, the railroad tracks that have been laid down for them before. But that's and the so, problem with all of this. Like, it, it's that. Well, yeah, I agree. It's the I agree, amateur. But, but one can't. Yeah. It, it's this. It's like, I understand you know, what you're saying. No, I mean, MUFON, you know, you fill out a form and they send you a decoder ring and you're a MUFON investigator. If you're working with David uh-huh. Jacobs, you just get the transcripts to the instant message chats. And uh, then you're you, you can do instant message hypnotherapy. I mean, it's like it's all so stupid, and um, <laughs> and the way it works, you know. And I, I just think it's like, I mean, when do we wake up from that? You know, why is it just two guys bitching about it on a radio show? Why is the, this is the field? It's not like this is an anomaly within the field. This is how the field works. And so every time you hear one of these, you know, bloggers in the blogosphere blog oh. away about right. how they don't want rules and they don't want, uh, you know, who's, you know, when Richard Dolan says, well, who's qualified to peer review my work? It's like every time I hear something like that, I, I'm going to think back to this show <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to think, uh, I don't know, but it, that's what differentiates a real field of study from a rinky dink piece of shit full of con artists and crazy people. I mean, right. that's the difference is, the ability to peer review, to have some sort of, uh, I don't know, ethic, some sort of standards of evidence, uh, some sort of, uh, I mean, that's science, right? Some sort of measurement well, that, that we can all agree to. Well, yeah, but that's the problem is the agreeing to. That's the problem. That's that's where everyone's well, uh, barometer it's a problem. gets See, fucked up. Here's the thing. It's a problem because the people who would have to agree at this point are all circus clowns, it seems, or mostly circus clowns, and then a couple of good people. So, I mean, are the circus clowns supposed... I mean, that, that's that's the problem. It's like, it, it is like the more you, you you start to think about it, like the worse it seems. And then the, the more, more you think about that, is, yeah. you realize, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's what the field is. So these bloggers are defending how the field is. 
which is what brought them to the table in the first place. That's the only reason they would even be heard in the first place is because it's amateur. It's amateur night. So we're arguing against amateur night, but amateur night is in denial that it's amateur night. It, it thinks it's an expertise, right? This amateur night that we live in believes itself to be an expertise. And the moment right. that you say, no, you're not, you're amateur night, it gets offended. And then you see stuff like this and, you know, what do the amateurs do with it? They go, oh my God, that's completely awful. What a shock. It's like, no, <laughs> this is what you are. This is what you brought into existence. <laughs> the moment you decided professionals need not apply. Fuck you, <laughs> ufology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Vaney on the warpath tonight. Well, I can almost hear Jacques Vallée in the back of my head going, no, the problem is that the professionals don't want to deal with this in the first place, so what choice do you have? Except that I know from Jeff Ritzman <laughs> that this field Uh-oh. used to be full of uh, solid amateurs and professionals. Mm, yeah. It, it just somehow, well, uh, somewhere uh, along yeah, the way, just has degraded into um, a circus, like a complete circus. It used to always have circus elements. There was always the contactee movement. There was always the Gray Barkers and the Jim Mosleys out there. Um, but mm. now it's all that. So w- what do we do here? <sighs> there is nothing you can do for the people that won't listen to reason. And if you'll remember, I got into quite a knockdown drag out about this very thing, which is that there are rules of evidence and what doesn't pass through the filter has to be chucked. And if we don't have some sort of rule of evidence, then that's a problem. This doesn't dissuade me from listening to testimony. It doesn't dissuade me from even single-person testimony, as Keith Chester uh, pointed out last week. Do we negate single eyewitness testimony? Absolutely not. But I think that we really have to ask the hard questions of those people and and solidify uh, their account uh, in every way that we can. And and if it's if it's one of those things where you walk away from this and you go, I, I just I have a feeling this guy's not being truthful. Then I think that that has to that has to carry as equal weight as whatever they're telling you. Where do you go from here? The answer is is that the field is not going to turn around uh, overnight. I think that. What good work is being done needs to percolate further than what it normally does. And so I think that that is the function of uh, this program, which is to highlight, at least in our measure, what is the critical good work that's being done, is to highlight that work and try and present it to a bigger audience. I don't know what else one can do. I mean, we've talked before about this, that... uh, the field is not going to change, and I don't think any amount of expose or um, or even education at this point is going to make people understand because there are too many people who are too invested either financially or as far as a ufological career-wise or a book or a magazine. Or too many emotionally. People, or emotionally, correct, are too invested, and so – how do you break that? You can't break that because as we went over with Dr. Lillenfeld, the people who were regressed and remember this terrible thing that happened to them, that's a real memory to them. And that's what's really scary to me 
uh, is that how many how many experiencers are man made? So what do you do with that? And the only thing I think that we can do, you and I, uh, and this program, the only thing we can do is to, on our own, is to discard what doesn't pass through our filter, and uh, and and let our members know that, you know. I'm not saying something in the sense of, well, you can trust us that we're not going to, you know, go off into la la land. But I think that at this point in the show, uh, listeners know that we don't take any of this at face value. We just certainly don't take any of it for granted and that we're going to do our best to kind of present to them what we think is something that they can sink their teeth into and really maybe take somewhere. Should we come up Uh, with a list of who we think are the top? investigators and the top thinkers in the field and just come up with a list and just say what their specialties are and just have that there for people to be able to reference. I, I don't think it would be a bad idea. I mean, um, of course, and again, I'm sure people are going, yeah, this is all really great, but what if I don't agree with your mindset or what if I don't agree? This is not about, then you don't read the list, you know, <laughs> well, no, no, see, that's, that's where everybody gets, that's where everybody misses the point. It's about their methodology. It's, it's not about, um, what m- possible conclusions they may be reaching? It's uh, because that that we put into a speculative uh, area. But what are they doing when they investigate a case? How are they proceeding? What is the review of that case? That's kind of what you have to measure this by. It's not measured by their personal view because everyone's got a personal view. I got one. You got one. Our listeners all have their own. That's where there needs to be this line of demarcation where we say. This is what I think based on what I'm looking at. But there could be a million different possibilities. I, I don't like the ETH, but that doesn't mean it's not a valid theory. It certainly is. Uh, and it's probably up there on the, the top upper echelon of, of possible answers for this, what this is. I don't personally feel that way. I mean, I'd put it number five. <laughs> you know, I'd put it somewhere in there. But not everybody agrees with that. But that doesn't mean, you know, uh, everyone, I think everyone else is out the la-la land. Um, I think there are solid researchers out there who, for one reason or another, just uh, take the human approach and go, this is kind of what I think it is. We need to stop associating that with what is the quality or caliber of the work that's being done. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um about Brian Reed, one last time, um, I find it interesting that uh, he has these now s- spiritual experiences or sort of almost channeling or something type experiences, mm-hmm. and he doesn't associate them with the UFO phenomenon. I find that fascinating because every now and then you run into this, and and you could even argue that I'm the same way, right? I've got my spiritual thing, and then I've got this UFO thing, and... Ne'er the twain shall meet, although they do meet on a couple of occasions. Um, uh-huh. But what is it about a person who is, you know, an experiencer of one highly strange set of activity that then transforms into the other and then they don't think that there's – I mean, how many people in the world would this happen to? You know, like why would you not immediately think, oh, yeah, this is all part of the same tapestry here? I don't understand the question. Why would you not think that it's the same? Yeah, if you're Brian Reed, why would you why would you think that? Oh yeah, I uh, ghost like aliens walk through my wall one day, uh-huh. and I'm channeling something else another day, and we see this green 
object streak across the sky and blah, blah, blah. I mean, why would you think that those two things are not related in your life? That they, I mean, how many people would one of those happen to, let alone two? Well, if you're unbeknownst to the paranormal in general, I think that that's the easy thing to kind of, you know, put aside. I mean, a lot. Of, I mean, that's one of the first things that uh, I've largely told people that I've met who think that something's going on with them as far as this phenomenon, as far as the UFO alien slash thing is going. Uh, I'll say, okay, well. Here's an exercise. Sit down tonight with a pad and a paper, and I want you to write down, no matter how bizarre, no matter how strange or seemingly off the subject this is, I want you to write down a list of every odd thing that you can ever remember occurring to you, seen, experienced, heard, felt, whatever. And uh, and you find that, um, yeah, there are a lot of crossovers in all of this, and uh and not all of it relating to UFOs, some related to just insanely ridiculous synchronicities all the way up to poltergeist phenomena, all the way up to even cryptid uh, type stuff. So I don't think that people often draw the line because I know back in the way back, I didn't uh, draw that as a conclusion thing. I just thought that these things are out there and they can be experienced. And so uh, I didn't make the line uh, of saying – there's something about me seeing this. There's, you know, this, this is something that's within my life and that I am perceiving because of whatever reason. I just thought this is a, this is a phenomenon. This happens and people, people on TV see these kinds of things. And I've read books about people seeing these kinds of things. So I, I don't know that, that I wouldn't immediately, I, I can't fault someone for not immediately drawing that line. Now, Brian has been in this. He has, gone that distance and he's had this spiritual experience that he told us about that was uh, very strange that experience in particular I don't know how you couldn't equate to this you've got a light in the sky first of all that that is behaving strangely you've got this like you said some sort of uh, possessive uh, manifestation of something it seems very connected to this sort of thing um I can understand why he would be very apprehensive about talking about that because it it does sound strange and it does sound far out. But you and I know that this is part of how this thing reacts. Um, Yeah, if he knew more about me, I think he'd be just fine saying that out loud. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, which I like, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who we are? Uh, (laughs) But I think it's, um, I think it's easy for people not to make the hardcore connection and say, you know, it's it's more than what I'm thinking it is because I think you're, um, I think there's a lot of confusion when you first think about that. Like, I remember when Lee said to me, we were on the couch at the condo, and he said, um, "Okay, so first on the list, how many UFOs have you seen in your lifetime?" And at that point, it was six or five. He said, "Now, do you understand that most people go their whole lives and don't see one?" <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, well, and, and like I said, just, just to say, I mean, I'm not picking on Brian. Like I said, I was the same way. I had both of these things happening, and I said, no, these aren't related because I read some Krishnamurti books, and that what that was what triggered this spiritual thing. So mm. I know that that was the trigger point for this spiritual thing or this kundalini energy or whatever, but 
I also know that I've had two experiences that tie it in with this UFO phenomenon. So hmm. um, I don't think one created the other, but I can't <laughs> – I mean, you know, just to step back out of myself, if I were listening to me, I'd, I'd say how – the same thing I'm saying to Brian, which is how on earth can you not make the association? What are the odds that you have two crazy things going on and they're not related? Right. Right. Well, I, I can see where you're coming from in his life now. I, I, I don't see how he can't make the connection there. But Well, he's still young, you know, too. Uh, I mean, I don't yeah, think, I get yeah, the sense he but, hasn't really thought everything through yet. And, and it's still unfolding in his life, so, you know. Well, absolutely, and that's the thing. I mean, I think that's something that, uh, you know, is, is a point that everybody kind of comes to and understands, wow, this isn't all about this phenomena. Uh, just showing up were these strange things just happening and I happen to be, you know, coincidentally in the place where these are going on. Sooner or later you realize that it is something, you know, that is inextricably, inextricably linked to you. That's, a, that's probably one of the more uncomfortable things for somebody to have to admit about this, I think, is that these aren't just happenstances. These aren't just... Uh, it, it's not an accident for you to have this happen. This is this is not a one-off event. This is something that's going to probably follow you off and on throughout your life. So, you know. But but at, at this point, you're right. It is still unfolding. But yet at the same time, I, maybe someone hasn't mentioned to him that this is not the normal paradigm for most people. Because maybe a lot of people just don't understand or can't get their head around that sort of concept that you know um, having all of this in your life is not normal it's not everyone's experience well i don't think it helps that he spent most of his life listening to a man who doesn't believe in the spiritual growth or evolutionary growth of the person in terms of abduction uh and sees it all you know black and white evil hybrids taking over the earth kind of stuff i mean i i guess if if i grew up believing that then how could i make the association well and let's not forget you know that he grew up in a household where this was a subject, you know. I I didn't grow up in a house where this was a subject where it kind of at least probably let's be generous and say twice a week he may have heard this around the house from from mom. Um, it, it's no fault on mom, and it's not a dig on her at all. I mean, it's just it's part of her life too. So uh, she needs to talk about it, and, it, and invariably the the kids hear it, and so there's a certain amount of I, I would say just from my standpoint, I mean, there's a certain amount of contamination going on there uh, just growing up around that sort of thing. I don't feel that's particularly normal. Uh, and so does that have any bearing on how he views all of this stuff, you know, in that uh, he recognizes that there's more. He recognizes that there is a bigger picture and it may contain all of these different elements like a like a stew, and maybe he just doesn't realize everything's in the same pot. Now, here's the other big thing uh, for me, anyway, in this, and not necessarily the Jacobs case, but just ufology in general. I'm reading, uh, just finishing up, gosh, I don't remember the name of it, but U- UFOs in the Soviet Union, I think it is, the Jacques Vallée book. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been just you know on the appendix of this book forever. Huh. Um, but, I mean, he mentions that paranormal activity such as poltergeist phenomena precedes a ufo sighting or comes after that that is the norm not the exception to the rule and that he and heineck have had known that way back when right 
So my question is, if they knew that way back when, and they knew the connection to sort of, you know, crypto zoological items and fairies and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And these are the two, you know, most respected people. And when you think of, you know, sort of the fathers of ufology, Heineck is certainly a name that comes to mind. Then how, how did that fall to the wayside? How did that become outlier data? Where did that go? That's not something that we're discovering. That's not something new. And that's not something that Jacques Vallée is just now saying, or was even just saying right. in the 90s. Uh, right. They've known this since what? The 60s, the 70s, the 80s? Mm-hmm. I mean, when did they know this? And then how did it become cast aside as, as the, um, the extreme point of view, which is actually the fact of the matter? <laughs> well... The the short answer to it is that the, everyone else in the field besides the two of them, much like has happened in the past 10 or 15 years, is that a certain group lays their aspirations on this field and says this is what it is and makes the uh, the empty conclusions based on the desire of what they want it to be. And I think that's probably what happened here is that a lot of the uh, re- other researchers of the day probably read that and go, you know, who's going to buy that? I mean, who is going to buy that? Uh, whether it's true or not, who's going to buy that? It's already out the window as far as credibility goes. We're already dealing with something that is really subjective and is also really elusive. Now we're going to add this into the mix? I mean, this just further complicates everything. What does that mean for life after death? That's going to trot into that field as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's a matter of what everyone's aspira- what, what, what everyone is projecting onto it is the desired answer. Anything that doesn't pass that filter for them is chucked. Well, let me throw another uh, theory so out doesn't, there. You know, what, okay. That it's all based on commerce, all of it. Uh, I just I watched oh, this yeah. <laughs> I watched this documentary Shades of Grey, which is about Gray Barker. So Gray mm-hmm. Barker made up the Men in Black stuff. He uh, or promoted it. Whoever made it up, but probably made it up um, and promoted a whole bunch of crazy contactees and and um, you know authors, people he made authors that he knew were were crazy. I mean, he knew that they had spent time in mental hospitals and all this, but he liked their crazy stories and he liked promoting them and. Um, he, uh, the sense I got from the movie is that he believed in the trickster phenomenon, that he saw this all as part of a trickster thing. And so for him to hoax things was just him doing what part of the field always does, which is hoax, which wasn't to say that he didn't care about the field in some way, as some researchers like Stanton Friedman argued in this film. So let's take that all at face value. Let's say that's true. So Basically, what we're saying then is that way back at the beginning of this, you had people who knew, who understood the trickster aspect, and who understood that all of this phenomena, this paranormal phenomena, was related in some way, and that it wasn't aliens from outer space. And so they molded it. They took crazy people, they took contactees and crazy people, and promoted them, because those stories are so far out that they would sell. And they created this alien myth. And then when that didn't you know, when that stopped selling, you know, Viv from Venus and all of that type stuff, then suddenly it's, you know, the little gray, you know, abductors who are little doctors and cold and whatever and whatever. But that, that, I guess what I'm saying is that perhaps it didn't change because the phenomena changed with the times. 
the way we've been thinking about it, but just that it stopped selling the other way, so they started selling a different bill of goods. And in this different bill of goods, you have little alien doctors, and now you've got not just carny barkers selling books and showing films at community gatherings, you've got the likes of Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and John Mack and you know Leo Sprinkle and Barbara Lamb and people who bill themselves as real researchers, um, except that at least some of those people, if not all, we don't know because we haven't looked into all of their backgrounds, but I can at least attest to two of them, have taken people that are crazy <laughs> or that, you know, in the in case of Jacobs, um, whatever Elizabeth is, I don't know that she's crazy, but certainly not credible. Let's say that. Let's say they've taken not credible people and pumped them for all they're worth to create these books. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a different level. It's just that they present themselves as credible um, in a different way. And it's all commerce. It's all artists doing art. And it all gets back to the, <laughs> the original thing. Mm. The reason how all this started is because they believed in the trickster aspect of this and believed that they were just a part of it. And it just evolved out of that. And it evolved to the point where they don't even recognize the trickster thing. They don't even know that they're doing that anymore. They actually think they're serious researchers doing serious research. But the pattern is the same. I mean, uh, we're going to... <sighs> You know, I don't know how much we want to say here, but I mean, we're going to be seeing some more stuff coming out uh, in the coming months about other people that ain't going to be pretty, whether it comes out in this show or in another form. I don't know, but I do know that a lot of this work is going to be called into question. And it, if you look at that Shades of Grey movie, it looks suspiciously like the same thing in different clothing. Promotion of crazy people to so, make a buck. Well, <laughs> In order for what you're proposing to have been the case, then there that must mean that there's some sort of organization to that. Or do you think that it's strictly a bandwagon type of thing? No, I think it's a bandwagon type of thing. I think, I mean, with mm -hmm. Gray Barker, it's like Gray Barker had collaborators. So it wasn't uh -huh. just him. It was him and some collaborators. You know, Jim Mosley was one, right? And they, they made fake UFO videos. And there was another guy on there, and I don't remember his name, but he stepped forward and said – yeah, I faked this, that, and the other thing with Gray, and here are the you know here are the documents. Here's us writing back and forth, and Gray Barker just basically saying, "Wow, these people are really buying this bullshit," you know. Right. Um. So that's what it is. It's Carney Barker's originally going, "Wow, people are really buying this bullshit." Hot dog. It, uh, and one of the things they mentioned about Gray is that he realized that this field was full of shit, and that it attracted crazy people and artists, and mm -hmm. on down the line. Uh, which I find funny um, because we're always talking about the connection between artists, but we're always talking about it in a credible way. Right. Right. But, Bud Hopkins of course is what he's an artist. So here you right. go, you know, the, the sort of father of abduction research. Well, well, I guess you could say whatever his, a Dr. Simon in some way, but, but really Bud took the ball and ran with it, but he's what he's an artist, right? you know, and we assume because he's been telling us just like, People assumed Gray Barker was on the up and up. We assumed that <laughs> Bud Hopkins, you know, he'd always made the statement, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically I've never been hoaxed. The reason that I'm still around is that no one's ever gotten pulled the wool over my eyes. But right. I think we're going to be finding out soon enough that that's not true. Uh, right. In a, in a big way, like in a big, credible way. And so, but he wasn't doing it consciously, I don't think. I don't think, like, I don't think we're going to find letters from Bud Hopkins saying, wow, I really fucked these people, ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah, these, these no, 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 no. No, I think 
It's weird. It almost went from this conscious in, mal, malicious intent of the Gray Barker era into the unconscious. I don't want to hear anything outside of my own theory, so I'm not going to listen to any of the experts telling me that this person is crazy and that I'm being had of a Bud Hopkins. Right. Like, I think right. that's sort of, I don't know. There's just something in there that's fascinating to me. And, uh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a paper in there to be written. I don't know. Huh? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't look at it from the standpoint that this field is being written. Although, to you know, when you talk about commerce, I certainly see that, and I've I've certainly talked about that before. That you know, a lot of the drive in this is book sales and and uh, and speaking engagements and all of that. I certainly agree with that. I certainly agree with that. The you know that kind of thing is aggressively defended because that then turns into that person's income or at least a portion of it. So I understand how some people would be offended or you know aggressively defend whatever their theory is that they're talking about. You know, I do it do, you know, has it mutated into something that is unrecognizable to what it used to be? For me, at least it has, uh, in the sense of what research is and what that means. Uh, but there are, uh, you know, a core of people out there who are doing solid stuff. Um, and so is this a tug of war between people who are trying to treat it seriously versus douchebags who are just out there faking stuff? Uh, and and do we accept that all oh, that's all just part of it? I think it's to be expected. I don't necessarily think that it's part of it. That's that's where I draw the line for that. I don't think it's part of it. I think that it's uh, it's to be expected, which I think is how George uh, Hansen had put it in one episode. Was this sort of phenomena incites uh, people to do this thing? So it's, to some degree, it's to be expected. But is it really part of it, or is it? And much like every every case in Jacques Vallée's recent book, is it the, the the effect? Is it the interpretation that's that's being put forth as as art in some way, in some weird way? Well, I gotta say, uh, I, I see the a similarity in the disdain for people that, mm-hmm. um, from what I know of of Bud and David Jacobs, uh, their attitude is like we've. We we're the only two people on the planet who know the whole truth about what's really going on. Okay, you know, and of course, to even approach them with anything else is to be shot down. And it's that sort of I don't know that arrogance that 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 disdain. I mean, it's it's not as in your face as a Gray Barker who's disdain. I mean, he literally wrote a a poem on ufology called something like. I don't remember the name of it, but like ufology is is complete bullshit. I think was the name of the title. It was like something like that. <laughs> like. This is okay. bullshit. Um, and so I think when you see people as objects, it's easy to hoax them and to say, yeah, fuck you. You want this? Here you go. You're, you're going to get what you want. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah but, I think, but-, but then I think that conscious intent, I just think it's weird that that conscious intent of the early days morphed into the unconscious intent of what we have now. I actually don't know how much of it I believe is unconscious, but oh, well, there's that. Uh, but then that with that you know, with that goes the trickster. Like with that, the trickster, which was consciously there, they all sort of that's why they did this. They all thought that this was part of the trickster tapestry. I mean, somewhere in there again, it morphs, it twists into not even being talked about anymore until Jacques Vallée or George Hansen or whoever unearths it every now and then, and then it gets a little bit of treatment and then goes mm-hmm. away again. But mainly. We're dealing with aliens. And why are we dealing with aliens? Because people like Gray Barker sold us aliens way back when, 
because <laughs> he promoted crazy people who he knew were crazy and were talking about aliens. That's why. Right. I guess right. that's the case I'm making. We were literally sold aliens by ufology who uh-huh. knew that it was crazy people selling them aliens. And then somewhere along the way, the researchers like became real researchers and they kept selling aliens, even though all of the evidence is to the contrary. I, I just, there's something so like, I, I can't quite get my tongue around it, but there's right, a there yeah. there. And I don't know what it is yet. Cause I haven't thought it out. So I, I, I apologize for the long ramble folks. No, I, I think, um, well, I'm trying to think of the way to actually verbalize this. Well, Let's look at it from from the standpoint of somebody like Gray, who you know did the question is did he start out with honest intent with this? Uh, did he start out on a clean slate, on level playing ground, and say I want to find out what's going on with this, and then realize uh, sometime later that you're not going to get your hands around it? Uh, I have to wonder if the absolute frustration of absolutely being denied the answer after all the work has been said and done, uh, doesn't just become, like you say, disdain for the field itself and therefore the people in it. It's like you all think that you know something, so I'm going to give you what you think you know. Um, and, and that, you know, I, I think that kind of attitude I can, I can get my head around. I can understand how someone would think that way. But I, I don't know. I, I think I think that, it, that I think that you're right in the sense that it has morphed and it's been picked up. Uh, you know, the seeds have already been spoiled before they've been put in the ground. So for us to be planting them nowadays is, you know, is wrong. Or for it to have been planted ten years ago is wrong. And 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 now we've of course we've gotten into this situation, like I said earlier, where this is now the expectation has been laid. Um, you know, from the old days. So, um, but one thing to keep in mind is that, 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 you know, Gray Barker was not the entire field and what those people did with him was not the entire field as a whole. Um, so there's, there's that, I mean, you know, this is, again, is not indicative of everything that this field puts out or, 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 or discovers or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but I agree. I think there's certainly something there to be said for all of that. Uh, but I, I, again, I'm not sure how to, how to, how to verbalize that either. Hmm. Well, I mean, now I'm thinking about it. Maybe even a case could be made that people like that were so tricksterish or whatever, that maybe that was part of the reason, uh, the field turned away from the trickster uh, as an explanation because it produced people that would just mess with you. So it's like, well, I mean, screw it. it. <laughs> We need to actually well, research something here at some point. It can't just be contactees well, and nuts. And it's not just that. It's that it is damned aggravating. I mean, neither of us can sit at these mics and lie to the audience and say that we haven't been absolutely pissed off at what this thing presents and how it presents it. It is the damnedest thing that we can't get a handle on. And so to say that it's not aggravating and then it's not it's just absolutely irritating in in the way that it behaves and the way that it presents things and then negates itself in the very next breath i mean is it almost a throw up your hands and say yeah fuck it let's make some money if we can't figure it out so what's the point in going on (laughs) you know uh what else are we going to do i mean 
I don't think I, I, I certainly can't sit here and say that I haven't felt uh, completely and thoroughly defeated and aggravated by it and tormented by it. But I don't think that I don't think that lying to people is the answer. Uh, I, you know, that does, I don't think that does anybody any good. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. It surely has happened. As far as it attracting a certain type of person, I think it does. I think that, again, you've got the small core of people who are being forthright about what they've experienced. And I think you've got a core of people, you know, three tiers. There's the core of people who are being truthful about what they experienced, regardless of whether the incident is true or not. They believe this happened to them. They experienced it. And that's their experience, period. Then you've got the people who are delusional. Uh, or who desire something like this uh, to be in their life and don't have that. And so therefore they latch onto this like a life ring that somehow gives meaning to what they're doing uh, because maybe they're not doing anything else. Uh, and then you have the third tier people, which are uh, capitalists, which I can make some money off of this, or I can, these people are buying into anything. So, I could fake something pretty easily and sell it out and, and make a big story, make a big splash. And, and that could be done for any number of reasons. The shame of it is we don't have anything to test for motive. So the motive could be money or it could be notoriety or it could just be that, that notion of sitting back and laughing in complete anonymity while throwing something out, uh, you know, like the Guardian case or, or whatever that, no one is like officially copped to like there's been a lot of anonymous things submitted over the years that um, have made big splashes in the media and in the UFO field. And we don't know that someone's not sitting back just having a good laugh at that. And that is their reward uh, for the effort put forth in doing it. So, you know, to me, it always falls into those three categories. That's what I've come across. So much like, I don't think that we can pigeonhole this whole thing into one particular thing. I don't think we can pigeonhole, the people in the field and their motives for doing what they do and how they do it into one thing either. Fair enough. Hello? Yes. No, fair enough. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, trying to slap together what I just watched in this movie last night with what I see going on now with what I just read in that Jacques Vallée book. Um, In any event, before we move on, do we want to say anything about Elizabeth and all of this, or does she get off scot-free because, frankly, what's to be said? I don't think there's anything to be said, really. I, I mean, it definitely fills in the blanks for me. That's that's the way I'll put it. It fills in the blanks for me in that – What do you um, think that is for her? I mean, is this like some, the ufological version of Munchausen's by proxy where, you know, you sort of <laughs> – <laughs> torture somebody to get attention i, I think I it's mean, a role no, i think it's a role i think it's um uh i think that would fall into category two for me it's like there's not much else going on this is my opinion this is strictly my opinion there uh, you know there's not enough going on to suit someone and so they need the drama and they need that spark and they need that excitement and this provides that to them uh and therefore gives some sort of purpose for rolling out of bed in the morning um, but if he was like 19 at the you time, know, it, how do you do that to a kid? Well, see, that's the point. It doesn't matter who the other end is. It's just that there is an other end. It, that doesn't matter. That doesn't enter. I don't think that even enters into it doesn't matter that he's a, a friend. Person like it doesn't that. matter I that think he's that your, it, your friend's son. No, no, no. No, this is, this is, again, this is, 
when you're talking about something like that, this becomes a deeply personal interaction. This becomes a deeply personal delusion. I, I mean, you know, when I think in terms of my wife, there's nothing that I wouldn't tell her. Nothing. And I think people who play this game to give their life some sort of meaning, I think would actually carry this on uh, into other aspects. Like, I have this going on, and this is what this is. And so when you connect the dots between this very personal one-on-one relationship you have with someone that not a lot of people are intruding on, if anyone, and then you take that into another aspect of your life where you feel that you can exert it, and then do so, and it's not thrown back at you like you're crazy or whatever, then that just further solidifies the momentum of that story. And that story then starts to hold real credible meaning for that person. And that gives meaning to what they're lacking or what they're missing. And again, this is strictly my opinion. I don't want anybody coming to me saying, well, you're not a psycho, you know, psychoanalyst. You're not a therapist. You don't know. I, well, I don't know, but... I have met several people like that, that you can tell, aside from this, there's not much going on. Uh, and that in a lot of the cases that I've come across where you kind of unwind this and you go, wow, you know, the relationship with so-and-so isn't so great or the husband or the wife doesn't pay any attention to them or there's no career drive, there's no professional drive, there's no interest or hobby drive. This becomes the hobby. This becomes the... This becomes what defines them. It makes me sad for those people because it's – I believe everybody's got something that they can be special for. I believe that everyone has a talent or a, an ability or you know, something like – and it, it's a shame when something like this, which is so easy to glom onto, becomes the thing because it's built in nothing and it ends badly. These things never end well. They always end up uh, in a mess and that's, that's where we find ourselves with this. So. Get a goddamn hobby. Buy a bird or something. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, you know, uh, there's so many things people could be doing is what I'm saying. You know, it's like, damn, this is just so easy, you know, for so many people. It's so easy to be this. And so that's, again, going back to your point, that's where stuff like this comes from. It's people who can't get engaged in anything else. It's people who, you know, aren't aren't really experiencing anything, or may have experienced something very small at one point in your life, but then they they see this and they're fascinated by it, and then they want to become part of it, and then that's how it that's the genesis of it. You know that for you know to me that's where the genesis of that starts, but in reality it starts with you know if they could step back and look at themselves, they would see oh well I'm doing this because this part of me is lacking or that part of me my life is not fulfilled and so I'm just filling in the, in the blank. It does become addictive. And that's, in essence, what Brian said. It became obsessive. It became an addiction of sorts. And that's what it becomes. Because in some weird way, some psychological way, it's fulfilling a need that is missing. And that, that's where I think it comes from. Very good. Well, I think Hello? We, yes, we have exhausted our time. Uh, I have nothing to add to that. I think that was well said. Um, Do you think it's true or false? Or uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I think you're. It's, it's good to get feedback. I think you're. Well, I think you're being far more diplomatic than I would be in a way. I mean, I think there's 
something sick about somebody who would do that to a friend and a kid that's mm-hmm. beyond just get a life. I mean, I think there's there might actually be something <sighs> worth worth seeing a real therapist about, not not your online pseudo-therapist. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I don't doubt that. I mean, yeah, certainly, I mean, in some cases, you could see it as abusive or controlling or manipulating. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that that does happen, but I don't know that that's every case. Um, No, I'm saying specifically. And so I've got to take the broad approach and say, um, well, I I see that's where I fall short because I don't know anything about uh, her life aside from one hobby. And so, how can I say? There's no way I can really say that. Well, you, you make it sound like um, one hobby. But what's her hobby? Her hobby, her hobby is going online and uh, bullshitting people to the extent that <laughs> it fucks with their lives. To the extent that it ruins them for a time. Well, that's the product, yeah. Well, yeah. The, that's you, their, you, you that's say the this product, like it's, sure. Well, sure, that's the product. Right, the, well, killing and death is the product, but... Well, I no, mean, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not, I'm it's, not making light of that. I'm not making light of that. That's don't, don't paint me like that. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that, uh, the other hobby that we've been told about that this woman has is writing fiction. And so it's a glom on, it's a carryover from the same thing. Only now it's dealing with real life characters. So is there something not right about that? Oh yeah. There's something not right about that. There's something not right about that uh, that is correct. Yeah, there should be a therapist involved, in my opinion, at least. But, again, I don't, I don't know enough to level that kind of thing. All I know is that, yeah, did it fuck people up? Sure it did. That's the end result. Of course that's going to be the end result. Like I said, these things never end well for anyone. But do I know that that's absolute malicious intent? No. Uh, do I know that that was planned? No. Was it? It could have been. But I can't, I can't in good conscience level judgment like that because I just simply don't know. Well, it doesn't have to be planned um, to be malicious intent. Yeah, that's, it doesn't have to be planned to be malicious intent? No. I think at some point, what do you even, mean? even if things just sort of get out of control, um, you have the option of mm-hmm. stepping out of the situation and not keeping it going and certainly not keeping it going with a new set of people. I mean, it seems to just keep going and going. Mm. I mean, even now, even, even as we're speaking, he's probably still talking to mm. her about all this stuff right now and how we just don't understand. And she's reconfirming. Yeah, you're right. You, they just don't understand. I mean, it's still going on, you know, <laughs> I mean, at what point right. do you, at, at uh, what point does it become malicious if you're not even willing to step back and, and go, you know what? Sorry, this got way out of hand for years. I mean, that's malicious. Well, I think that's, that you, I, I think at that, that point you have, to, what, you have to define cowardice. yourself. <laughs> well, I think you have to again. I mean, I think you've got to look at what what is the nature of addiction with this. And I mean, it's addiction, uh, and I don't paint that as a disease. Don't get me wrong, but habitual behavior, psychological habitual behavior, and so that that becomes not the option. The option is not to come out of that that mask that you put on to deal with people in this field and to lie to them and to cause all of this uproar. I mean, to take off that mask is then for people to see the real you. And the whole point of this whole narrative is to be someone else. You you get where I'm saying that? I mean, the point of this is to be something else, to be more. Uh, And to step out of that is to take responsibility. And that's not something that happens here. 
I hate to say for somebody like that, it's not an option because I don't know. But I mean, for people that I've known, uh, you could scream in their face. You're lying to me. You're lying to me. I've done this. And they will not back down. I mean, to, to back down is to, is to, to show the cards and the cards are the thing that you most covet. That mask is the thing that you most hide behind. And to reveal that is not something that someone screaming in your face to do is going to do. That's not going to work. You know, the, the heroin addict is not going to take his baby crying on the ground because he hasn't bought food for the baby in a week. That baby starving on the ground doesn't compute to his ill behavior. So if you, if you can get your head around that, then now transfer that kind of real extreme uh, you know, a comparison to this. It's the same addictive quality, I think, for these people that they feel this absolute drive uh, to not be who they are. The whole game is based upon the facade or the mask, just like the whole game for an addict uh, of heroin is based upon the needle, the drug. Uh, that's all that matters. And so to, to go, oh, I've hurt people. I really need to – no, that doesn't work for a heroin addict and that doesn't work for these people. I, I mean that's, again, all strictly my opinion based on just my own direct experience. So, And you think you don't um, understand Krishna? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's, this has just been my direct experience with these people. It's like you can't, you can't force their hand because they won't cop to it. Um, and to me, there's something not only sad about the outcome of a situation like that, but it's sad that there are people that are that unfulfilled. That to me is very – that's a very sad thing. And you know, the only thing I could say to future people who are thinking about an interest in this and, and possibly putting on a mask and, and playing a game is you know, don't play the game because it's not – in the end, it's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you anything of what you really need. The only thing it's going to do is to damage other people, and and I don't think that anyone wants to be. Um, I don't think anybody really wants to be the person who damages people, um, especially not in a way like we've seen with this. All right. Well, all of that said, um, Brian, I hope remains friends of the show, and I'd like to. He had mentioned talking to us privately. I hope that happens. I don't want to give the impression. Yeah. Uh, any negative impression, um, because where he is now is not a reflection of, you know, no. what I was talking about, which is what he was doing then. And he, uh, let's, let's be, let's be frontal about this is that he did admit, yeah, I know that's really screwed up. So he knows, yeah, he knows it was, screwed uh, up. where but, he was and he I knows where he know, is now. I mean, so I would just love to know what more is going on with him. Maybe we can compare notes for the whole spiritual thing and see if we've got yeah, some similarities cool. and... Maybe I'll know what's in store for me. <laughs> Maybe yeah. voice, voices yeah. are yet to come. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for having the uh, the cojones to come on the show and and uh, and do what you did. We really really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I hope that this once again gives a little bit of peace to Emma Woods. Yes. Um, maybe she can go on with life and feel, I don't know, that little sigh that you get when it's like, ah, oh, finally, finally that happened, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, because even though, you know, we we did a show with her and, and all that, we've sort of been defending her or, you know, figuring out this, trying to unravel this case. I mean, 
she has been a lone voice in this and now she's not. So that's a huge deal. And like I said, rest well, (laughs) young Emma. Um, Yes. Now, do we want to move on to the book contest? Yeah, the book week two. Gee Wiz won the first book, which was uh, Ghost of Gettysburg. Congratulations, Gee Wiz. Yes, and the the answer to last week's question was (laughs) Zihas. Yeah, thanks. Okay, this week, the question is going to be two-part because they're both sort of easy, but maybe we'll make it a little harder. We'll make it a two-part question. July 1st, 1863, Confederate General Robert E. Lee, everybody knows his name, right? Led his troops from Northern Virginia up to South Central Pennsylvania to a small rural town called Gettysburg. He was confronted there by a Union general by what name is the first part? Colonel Sanders. No, that'd be incorrect. General, you said. That's correct. General. A Union general. What was a Union general's name that he was confronted with in Gettysburg? And after a three-day battle that uh, ensued that was extremely violent and ultimately very bloody, one of the bloodiest in American history, there were 51,000 American casualties. And there was one civilian casualty. And what was the civilian casualty's name? General (laughs) Grievous. I'm still on the generals. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not General Grievous. Oh. So that's two questions. What general was General Lee? Uh, what Union general was he met with at Gettysburg? And also, out of the 51,000 American casualties, there was one civilian casualty, and what was their name? And uh, I'll just give you a little hint. Uh, that civilian casualty is now a very famous haunting in the town of Gettysburg. So whoever can get those first, subscribers only, post them in the subscriber only message board, and you will win a book hand signed by Mr. Jeremy. Mark Nesbitt. That's correct. You win. Yay, I got one. Uh, (laughs) Yes, and it will be, of course, the same book contest thread as last week's. Right. So there's that. Benedict Arnold, that was the casualty. Uh, No. No. But I do like the eggs. If you want me to do anything by way of introduction, um, then, you know, let me know. Okay, can you be like the master of disaster or something <laughs> cool like that? <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to fit right in, trust me. <laughs> <laughs>